All right. Um, so what are we at here? Episode 27, Badass Records. Dan Gedman. Howdy. How are you? Wonderful. Um, I was trying to remember, um, did you did you arrive on the scene, as it were, at Indian Hills? Did you move here? Did yeah, you... middle of seventh grade, okay. maybe? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I definitely, you know, so cloudy haze, but <laughs> uh, trying to like definitely remember you being around before East, but couldn't. It wasn't much. Okay. Like it, it may have even been early eighth grade. It was sometimes okay. because we had a weird deal. We, I think we moved before I moved schools or I moved schools before I moved. Okay. I mean, it really is a haze if you go back, <laughs> you know, it's 30 something years, yeah. but I know like because we Bought a house, were, I mean, super interesting, not at all, but uh, I think we were fixing the house up, and it might have been that I went, I might have started in eighth grade, because I might have lived in our house, but not been, but finished, I don't remember. Right. It doesn't matter. Right. But yeah, it would have been, it would have been sometime in eighth grade, okay. for sure. Um, and then, did you guys move from outside the area? Or? No, we were in Lenexa. Okay. So I would have gone to Shining Mission Northwest. Uh, Northwest, okay. Yeah, we were out like um, 79th and Quivira. Okay. Um, Do you remember uh, Smiley's when we were kids, like the mini golf place? Yeah. I could ride my bike to Smiley's. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I had a dude on here um, a couple episodes ago, and he, I mean, as you'll find, there's lots and lots of music that I've never listened to. Okay. Because um, very snobbish and closed-minded, yeah. and that's kind of the whole point of this, okay. is to just... What about what about your music? Yeah. So anyway, he gave me uh, fables from the Reconstruction, okay, eighty five R E M, and Justice for All, okay, um, ten thousand days, Tool, and um, uh, the Tool record that was right before that one, uh, Anima, yes, Anima, yeah, Anima. Yeah, uh, so I was fondly recalling, um, I started going to. Uh, youth group at Prairie Village Presbyterian okay. Church in like I don't know sixth grade maybe because a couple like Cord Chris and Brian Carter and some other guys from the Prairie yeah um, and ended up being there for like you know kind of doing it for like a year or so and that's where I met um, Brian Lemoyne okay and learned about REM yeah right and and I think Helmers Helmers was definitely in the mix so I was like oh I, I mean I already knew yeah. a little bit of Rush but I also uh, got my first girlfriend from there okay. and it was a girl by the name of Amy McLean okay she was a year older than us nice and she was like a super super badass swimmer okay. at Northwest huh um huh yeah and so she I mean like her folks would have her there at five. Yeah, she was like the, on the Blazers or whatever. I yeah, mean, that stuff. There. Yeah, and uh, I remember, and it was way, way, way after um, learning this, but uh, her warm-up song was One. She would listen to that every morning to get going. At, at, at 5 a.m. Yeah. yeah. To go swim laps. <laughs> like, what? Is women Metallica yeah. at five in the morning? But anyway, she, and, and then, we I, let's see, I went to, I went to a dance I guess she was a sophomore. We would have been freshmen. I think okay. I went to homecoming with her. Uh, and she was super, super sweet and um, wound up being just a little too youth group. For, I wanted things to move faster <laughs> yeah, than she did. Say. And like in hindsight, if I probably would have just 
been a little more patient. Yeah, probably yeah. she probably turned out to be like a really great wife and mom and businesswoman and who knows what yeah. else. But and she can swim at twenty four a second. Yeah, I, yeah. I actually she don't can. Know, I don't know swim times at all. I mean, don't don't quote him. Yeah, don't misquote because Sean yeah. Roberts will be on yes, your ass. And, and, and Knight and White pop it. Right, too. right. He. uh Let's see, Summer Olympics. How long have you known? Did you you went to KU, right? Well, uh-huh. so you've known Roberts. Since... I've known Roberts. Since, I think, weirdly enough, um, my buddy was the ATO Rush chairman. I think I was, and you know, we live next door in the other house. Um, and I think uh, I knew Roberts when he was out, like pre pledge. Okay, like you know, like yeah. when they were rushing him, and it was <laughs> a weird deal. I don't think I was supposed to be doing that, but it was like I was just hanging out with uh, with. Uh, Brent Taylor, remember him? Uh, yeah. yeah. And I was hanging out with Brent, and I think he was a rush chairman. I yeah. think he was rushing Roberts, wow. and he was rushing. There are a couple kids who I see still. Um, oh, God, I'm, I'm not going to come up with the name. Sure. But I was uh, Scott Schoenfeld. Yeah. Remember, uh, randomly, like, the it was the weirdest thing where they were they were being rushed when, like, like I'm not rushing you. You're fine. Do that. But <laughs> just happened to be sitting in the room at this point. Yeah. So, um, so it was... Um... The Summer Olympics, the, was it Amy? Is it Amy Ledecky? Katie Ledecky? Katie Ledecky. Has she has she been the the star for a, two con, two consecutive Summer maybe Olympics? Maybe even three. Like I okay. don't know though. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, it was Summer Olympics, and she was all over. I mean, she was just destroying shit. And yeah. It was super cool. It gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. Um. But you know, so so Roberts is taken to Twitter talking his own quote yes. quote tweeting yeah. and, and so forth and uh, I, I don't even know I don't know if I challenged the time he quoted his own time or if I I think that I misspoke when it comes to uh, like what's a 25 meter pool versus a 50 and yeah. he just lit me on fire yeah and I tried to, and he just, I couldn't, he was just, it was too much firepower. Yeah. yeah and we're, we're going to walk away from this buddy. Yeah. And so I was kind of checking out, but he, and I, I was doing, I probably, I might've been just home, but I think he was hanging with some folks. And so all of a sudden I start getting texts from Beatty, nice. just like trashing me. And I didn't have him say, I'm like, who the fuck is this? Who, who's heckling me about my lack of knowledge of yeah. swim time? Yeah. Right now? Um, that's funny. Yeah, and so eventually Beatty owned it, but uh, ever since then, Roberts been like, "Mind your p's and q's, or I'll sick Beatty on you again." I'm like, "Okay," <laughs> just just all all elbows and knees coming at you with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so did did your so you, were you born you born and raised here then? No, I was born okay. in Chicago. Okay, yeah, we moved here. We moved to that house in Lenexa before, right before kindergarten, like the week okay. before kindergarten. That's funny. I just that reminds me of uh, being on a flight back to KC. Yeah, yeah, and and like I mean, I'm getting on a plane Thursday morning. I don't fly that much, um, and I mean just just the tiniest little bit, and I'm like, oh my god, just and that one was that one was rough. I, I at that point I was flying four days a week, I, so I, it was yeah. like yeah, it was like I, I, yeah. no no recollection of that other than you being on it, like because we you know we had an office up there for a while, so I was going back and forth to Chicago, okay, six times a month, you wow. know that kind of a thing. Um, but yeah, that uh, I actually had gotten to the point, and I don't want my math challenged by Roberts here, <laughs> but if we don't count KU, um, because I moved back to Chicago. When we left Chicago to go to Denver in like 2001, 
I had lived in Kansas City and Chicago within like three weeks of the same amount of time at that point. Oh wow, it was kind of a weird deal where, you know, because once once you got, I didn't. I think I came back for one summer in college, and then you know it just kind of was living in Lawrence at that sure. point. So it really, it, you know, just went through. I you know went through kindergarten through twelfth grade in Kansas City and never thought I was coming back and ended up back here in I think oh four oh five something like that. Okay, so, so did your folks meet in Chicago? My, yeah, my folks, uh, my parents and my grandparents and my aunt all left about the same time, and they were the first people of either side to ever really not live in Chicago for a long time. Okay. So my grandparents moved to Florida. My parents moved to Kansas City um, sometime in, like, nine, I guess it'd be, like, 80. Maybe, is that 80, 79, something like that? That, that would put you just yeah. before kindergarten. Yeah, and that, uh, I think it was 1980. Um, and so it was a weird deal to not be in Chicago. And so I grew up. You know, my mom's sister was in Chicago, so we'd spend a ton of time in Chicago. Like, when I moved there, I knew my way around. Sure. You know, it wasn't yeah. like a foreign city. Right. It was like other home. Uh, so how did they meet, your folks? Oh, like high school. Okay. Maybe middle school. I mean, I oh, think wow. early high school, you know, like they were, they got married in college, you know, probably between junior and senior year when people did that back in the old right. days. Right, you know? yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they've been, I mean, they're 53 years maybe now something like that so both still alive and still together both still alive yeah i'll see you in an hour oh, okay yeah. okay yeah. uh are they are the whole family going over there for a meal or something we, or? uh my little sister's in town okay so we'll go we'll go over to the pool after this and go okay hang out but yeah um what so you have a little sister other siblings that's it yeah I okay a little sister five years younger than me something like that okay you know, five five school years younger than me sure so sure um man uh, so uh, again, trying to reflect back, um, and I'm going to lean on the hazy fog crutch one good, more time good for you. Um, but you know, so six, so I went to six grade schools. Did you really? Yeah. So ki my kindergarten closed and then my parents had just split and, and my mom was insisting that my dad pay for Catholic education. So okay. I went to St. Anne's Okay. and then she got remarried and we moved to Atlanta and okay. we were like living in a condo while they were trying to build a house. So I went to two different second grades and then that marriage fell apart, came back, living with my mom's aunt, went to Somerset for fifth and the Prairie for sixth. That's bananas. And, uh, and so then, you know, it's like we ended up settling, you know, on 69th Terrace just up from the village and it's like Prairie's the hub, but after sixth grade, everybody moves schools, right? Yeah. So point of all that is uh over the course of god i don't know fifth grade to senior year maybe even today like yeah. uh, lots of pockets of angst and anxiety and anger and uh, uh there i've had some times where you know i've was a piece of shit to people for no reason whatsoever okay uh, I don't know if I was ever a piece of shit to you. I, I don't believe so. But yeah. if I was, <laughs> no, that that is not my recollection. Okay. Okay. Um, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't check me off the list. Okay. No. All right. Um, so, did they? Did your folks play music growing up? When yeah. You're, okay. Uh, my, my dad. Uh, I bet my dad has to this day has that wall of records. You know, uh, three thousand records. Oh. Had uh, he was my dad was a total audiophile. Okay. So we grew up with like giant Dolquists in my living room and, you know, not quite two amps. I was kind of wish they were, but like, you know, my dad was like soldering David Haffler components together on our kitchen table and stuff like that. Whoa. So, um, yeah, no, I grew up, I grew up with more music than TV. 
Okay. And really, really eclectic music from his side. My grandfather had big bands in Chicago. Love so, it. So, um, yeah, we, I grew up, yeah, he would, he had music he loved. Like, he loved the Beatles. He loved the British Invasion. It was kind of, he loved the square side of the 60s. Sure. Um, never, you know, like, kind of died at Zeppelin. Like, never listened to Zeppelin, never listened to Floyd. That was, he was like, Abbey Road, and I don't know what exactly, like, I don't know what he was listening to in the 70s other than maybe okay. just over-listening to the Beatles again sure. and again and again. And then by the time the 80s hit, he was uh first person I knew to have a CD player. Like, he got a CD player and he got the first four CDs. Like, I don't remember what they were, but, like, there were four Whoa. to buy. Um, and then I remember buying the Beatles CDs with him at, like, Streetside as they came out because cool. they came out in fours. Um, it was the weirdest thing. Like, wow. these recollections of being, like, eight or nine, right? And so I distinctly remember because he would go in and it was back when, remember when CDs were on the the long plastic things? Yeah, and they had to put the thing in there and get it out. Yeah, oh no, this is before that. They were actually came packaged in like plastic, um, like the crap that you can't ever open. Yeah. Yeah. And so they were early on and they would just have those four sitting behind them behind for him when like the new Beatles CDs would come for out. your dad for my dad like he, first name basis yeah he, he was like that was yeah he had he had the music store guys so that's awesome so and then he would he would also fall into these wormholes of like crazy audiophile stuff to so make what, what what is your definition of audiophile because it comes up from time to time on here on what he was doing is he was chasing like a Ricky Lee Jones record that sounded magic in the the staging of the record you could hear in the speakers. And so you would like, it's, you know, it's a three piece. You can hear the bass over there. You can hear that. And so it was like music that maybe you didn't enjoy. It was almost technical where you'd listen to the staging and, but like maybe the songs weren't all that good. Wow. And so it was like, he would get sidetracked by stuff that to my ear was awful because he was listening to something that I wasn't right. I mean, in when you're in seventh grade, like you just want to play Zeppelin. Yeah. You know, and like, I don't care if it's a good pressing of right. a CD, like none of this matters. It's like, this song's Dad, awesome. I want fucking it to be black dog. Yeah. Come I want on. it to be loud. Yeah. And so, you know, he was, he was probably critically listening for things at times. And so he would fall into like these kind of weird wormholes. And I have a familiarity thing with music where I'm convinced if you listen to something 10 times right. that you convince yourself, you're going to like it. Right. You'll eventually like it. And so maybe he talked himself into liking some stuff that, to this day, I don't want to listen to right. but like I would be really familiar with. Hmm. Um, but he also, I mean, loved the traveling Wilburys, you know, like okay. that kind of, you know, yeah. it, 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 he listened to mostly good music with occasional like weird, you know, dalliances into this like goofy, sure, like why are we listening to this, you know? Um, so, uh, at a college buddy in town in January, and we recorded episode one, and I was on my third set of cameras and they did not last did not record well they they got uh i looked up at an hour 15 yeah and i was like oh my god my fucking video and he's like mine's been gone for like 30 minutes i was like oh, could could loop me in well yeah. there was there was yeah. nothing i could do at the yeah. time but anyway uh so i'm talking to him about oldies and that's kind of what i was hearing a lot of as a kid in the car my mom's oh, car did you? yeah and so he's talking about the difference between, you know, oldies and, um, you know, the Beatles cutoff. Yeah. And so he's saying, um, you know, the, the, the thing about oldies is nostalgia, right? And okay. it's all like, uh, 
fun and safe and and the Beatles were a part of that until they, they weren't, weren't. Yeah. And, and and the way way he put it was whenever they went to India or started smoking pot or whatever and yeah. kind of opened up that other chamber of the mind they became dangerous and then you know are no longer they can no longer be part of this oldie they, they get moved into i don't know classic rock in the 70s and this it's a fascinating concept yeah it's a weird it is a weird and, and it's funny piece i think there's more to it in that the Beatles were writing songs, most oldies. I mean, I think Buddy Holly wrote his own songs, but like those were singles. And right. the Beatles, for the first, you know, for the first five records, were singles that happened to be put on albums. Oh yeah, and they started making albums. But like, you don't think of a Buddy Holly record; you think of Buddy Holly's greatest hits. Yeah, because it's a compilation of singles. Sure, and so much of that stuff was being written by somebody else. You know, I mean. A dude like Chuck Berry was writing his own, but I don't think Elvis wrote, ever wrote his own songs, did he? I think mm, they were all. I think I think you're probably. I think that's accurate. You know. So it's like, and, and he gets not that they're the same, but he gets lumped into Zeppelin, which is the whole stealing from black musicians yeah, yeah. kind of thing. And I don't even think Elvis was bothering to steal from him. I think his people. Well, were yeah, right, in a right, weird way. Right, like, I mean, right. It's such a, but it's such a strange. Like, there's something that happened there, and it really was about. I mean it's Dylan at that point, you know, kind of where he shifted to and, and they started to make albums instead of a collection of songs. And it's such a weird, like I'm hoping, I think we're actually starting to go back to that a little bit because I, I, that was what broke in music for a little while in dude, my mind is we stopped making albums. So uh, this, there's a gal that I used to work with. She, she's a local musician. She's lives in Lawrence, but she's a musician. She's a singer songwriter. She was on for episode four, and um, she had just she was just about to put out a new single, and she had another one sort of in the queue in the yeah. queue, and and it was like right around the year anniversary of her putting out her first album. Okay, and she sat there, and if she were here right now, she would say uh, the same that um, the album is no longer the metric of measurement oh, for sure, and that it's everybody just does tracks, and I was like. I so badly want you to be wrong because the album. We're kind of in a weird spot where it can kind of come back to that because the only thing that's grown in music in the last 10 years of vinyl there, right. we're back to this weird, like I was watching, did you watch the Paul McCartney, Rick Rubin thing? Mm-mm. I was watching that on a plane the other day and McCartney was talking about the process of when he was a kid and they bought records in downtown Liverpool. And it was super interesting because he's like, you bought this record and you had to open it up and you were on the bus and you had 25 minutes before you could listen to it even. And so you had studied it and learned every word and figured out what you were going to go experience before yeah. you even played it. You might have a, a, a credit or, or a lyric yeah. memorized and the image, the general imagery is yeah, burned in there. You have to, you've never heard the song before. Are you, do you have vinyl? Oh, I'm a, yeah, I'm a, I'm a dork with that. Like, okay. I, I have some of my dad's proclivities. I have a big, crazy stereo down in the basement somewhere nice. that um, is completely unnecessary because so much music. I, 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 I in a weird way, because, you know, I mean, I've made a lot of my money in music. Right. It's, uh, I'm not a big t shirt dude. So I buy records if I, like, I buy records that support art, artists. Yeah. I have a lot of unopened records that I've listened to ad nauseum on Spotify. Okay. Yeah. But, but it's one of those things like I, I tend to try to make sure that, um, I mean, it, I don't have enough money to be a patron, right? but like people who bother to make it and it's good. Yeah. I feel like we need to go out. And, yeah. You know, so how long have you been collecting? Probably man, 
20 years probably you know so I, when the when the fad spiked recently you're like it, it it's made it hard you know there was a time <laughs> where i used to joke um if you if the record was good it used to be a dollar like if you're talking about old music yeah i think i started collecting vinyl because i couldn't afford to get a lot of old stuff on cds right and so you could go to thrift stores and you could buy a weird um I don't know something you know a lot of '70s stuff like Marshall Tucker Band. Yeah, I fell, I fell into the wormhole of jazz, and I don't really actually oh. like it. But you could find those, and you could buy them, you could listen to them, and figure out what you liked and what you didn't like without having to commit fourteen bucks. Yeah, or I was always kind of an anti Napster guy back in the sure, day. Sure, sure, it just didn't feel right to me. Yeah, and so you could explore music at a dollar a pop with old records right. back in the day. And so you know, like. Do you like do you ever listen to the band Television at all? Uh-uh. Okay, like they're awesome. Like nineteen, uh, kind of with um, uh, CBGB band Talking Heads era, and like Tom Verlaine was their singer, rhythm guitar player, and like I bought a Tom Verlaine solo record at one point. It's not very good, but <laughs> for for seventy five cents, yeah. you feel okay to learn yeah. that the Tom Verlaine solo record was bad at fourteen bucks back then, and. Granted, candidly, I can't imagine that ever got pressed to CD. Right. Like, so it was for a while. It's like De La Soul records right now. You have to have them on CD or cassette. Yeah, because they don't exist. Yeah. And so that was supposed November was supposed to be was supposed to come out finally. Well, it was, it was all supposed to be settled and available oh. and and nothing still hasn't. And yeah. Meanwhile, uh, you know, the Chronic and Doggy Style are no longer available via streaming nope. as, as of March because they made them NFTs. Oh, of course. I mean, and then I think it's that's part of a bigger thing that Snoop's doing. I don't know. It's well, he bought Death Row, right? Yeah, right. and so I don't. Uh, some of that stuff, I that goes beyond. Like, I can talk old man stuff about like going through CD booklets when we start talking about NFTs. Like, I, I'm I'm confused. I only have the sequence of the letters NFT. Yeah, that's, that's as much as I know. Non fungible token. I, yeah. I know that. I I I can pretend like i could fake having a conversation about it but it's not real. sure yeah it's not so real. what would you say your collection is up to vinyl mm-hmm. oh 300 uh, records okay. it's not it's not big it's, okay yeah um and and do you have a, a a spot that you go do you order online what do you um that's actually interesting i go to mills quite a bit um my I, Where, where's this uh it's down uh westport road oh it's the same yeah yeah, yeah. okay um yeah yeah I, and my daughter and my son both collect vinyl too my 17 year old and my 15 year old okay so it's actually weirdly enough it's a, a little bit of a um i mean at some point you're trying to find something to do with a 17 and a 15 year old right we'll go to the record store it tends to be what they buy for me for birthdays and christmas hey. and stuff like that it, so it's perfect yeah um and so but again it's pathetic how many of those I haven't even opened. Like it's, you buy it as an object, not as a, because the, the, the sounds are, you know, it's in my phone and my car. Most yeah. of the time it's like the, the notion of, and I think it's something that I actually really missed. I've been trying to figure out how to do this, but the notion of sitting down for an hour and doing nothing, but listening to a record is like so foreign to me. Oh, and, I mean, the, our brains have been retrained yeah. to have like this, you know, rapid yeah, fire constant, TikTok. Like, yeah. yeah, you have to watch TV while you're listening to the music and stuff like that. And so it's, I need to figure out how to do that again. Yeah, um, I think I'd, it'd be better for me to do that. Or even if I'm doing some like light work where you're like, you know, like reading a script or something like that. Um, 
it would be good to just sit there and listen. Yeah. And, and, you know, back when we were in our office all the time, I have a record player in my office and I have a common office with my business partner. You know, we sit across from each other in the loft of our building. And so we used to listen to records a lot, but then you would get busy and you'd have to flip the record. Yeah. And so that was, had its own challenges at that yeah. point. But yeah, I, I, I actually, <laughs> the more I buy, the less I seem to listen to them. So I need to like, it's on my list of things to figure out mm-hmm. in the next, you know, in the next six months is sure. play the guitars I buy and play the records I buy uh, because I tend to collect them more than I tend to. Yeah. Tend so uh, last July, uh, I took the kids out to Virginia and okay. we stayed with Wilkie okay. for a week. And uh, they have, you know, off their kitchen is like a little family room where the TV is. And then they have a dining room. And then they have a living room, and in the living room is an upright bass and a piano and a horn and maybe something else. And then he's probably got, you know, one shelf worth of vinyl, yeah. all jazz. And they, what, there's that, to me, that room has two purposes. They, in, in, in the case where the shelf of vinyl is, they, there's two desks that they built for the girls when school became yeah. homebound. And the other uh, function, and pr- probably more used, especially now, is they sit in there and they listen to records. Yeah. And and the way that they do it uh, is the girls um, put on aprons and they have like little guest checks and they take drink orders for mom and dad. Oh, that's awesome. And they and then he has um, the, the kind of Keurig sort of twelve cocktail. Oh yeah, that little with the, pods. The thing, the yeah. drink works. Yeah. Um, and so they will. And I think it's all jazz, so they get to pick, but it's only coming from one genre. Yeah. But they'll pick a record, and then they'll take their order, and and, and even if it's like uh, something that requires fresh herbs, they'll go out to the garden and like pick it fresh. And really? but it's cool that like it's a vi- yeah, that's a vibe. Like that's, that's a thing. sitting room for yeah. listening to jazz records. We have that room, and my wife won't let me put the stereo in it. Oh, like it's the speakers are big and yeah. too many black boxes. Yeah, I was like, are you sure? And so I've been kind of working on that for if a little. If there's ever while. a photo shoot, it won't look good in yeah, the magazine. Yeah, it's like it doesn't come up that often. <laughs> like I, I, we would actually sit in that room. If right. I had a record player right. in there, but it's not like I don't, I mean, and that's a silly thing is I have Sonos in 11 rooms. You know what I mean? Right. It's not like I can't push a button and right. listen to the same record yeah. that's downstairs, but there's something physical about a record still that I like. And there's, there's almost a little bit of adventure in the fact that every once in a while it doesn't track right or something. You have to be like, it's a little more precious. Yeah. And when you put it on, you feel like you need to finish it. Whereas if you yeah. put something on Spotify, it's, it, you know, and so yeah. it's such a like, you know, talk about a weird deal. I have title now because they have so many T I D A L. Yeah, the okay. I think who knows? I think it's a Jay Z thing. But uh-huh. what title has in the context of that stereo is? Do you remember the like mobile fidelity CDs we used to get? Like the the ma- the masters. No. Okay. They're they're like it's imagine like a CD was like sixteen bit, right? I mean, but I also held out on cassettes until like. 99 2000 I was, I was the opposite i i had no tapes and all cds i got a thousand of them in the room Do you really yeah that's funny um and i have a thousand cds and i haven't like i you know i have to figure out what box they're in i bought i bought a box like uh, well i bought a it looks like a piece of music equipment a case yeah right and it's got like so you would in theory if i were to ever do this yeah. thing that i bought the thing for uh you you would toss your plastic and then each cd has a sleeve you know sort of like our old case, case logic Logics, but it's but, hanging oh that's and cool. it's i'll show it to you on yeah. the way out but yeah that uh, would be that would be uh i i 
have the means now to play a CD again. So I need like I've been going through and like I I found a few of them because I have stuff that I don't think is even digital that I would like to listen to again. Um, but I need to get through the records and not right. worry about the, right. the two thousand <laughs> CDs I had in nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. Uh, one of those Anima or Ten Thousand Day. I want to say it's Anima. Um, the actual vinyl. It's like hundreds of dollars. Well, I don't. I don't know about that, yeah. but but as side A ends, there's a there's a locked. Well, so so the last track features uh, be. of side A. Yeah. Uh, so the last track you get like the sound of a needle on a record, and the volume raises a little bit, and the vinyl print. Mm-hmm. actually has a locked groove that's funny so you get this raised sound and then the needle drops and it just won't stop well, that's bizarre so you go over and you take it off and you flip it and before side b starts is another locked groove so you put it in and it just does the same thing just thanks guys <laughs> just to fuck with you yeah thanks guys yeah maynard yeah right um they that has to be four records too i mean two records right that can't be a single oh I, i'm not sure i can't even fathom I'm not sure that, i think that that record's long yeah like, um yeah, I, have a, I have a soft spot for tool so nice yeah um so you uh yeah i mean we were talking upstairs about your uh soon to be senior um landing on her school of choice how when did you know ku for sure you know what? I think I knew KU when I started to go to other school, like to visit other schools. I what, remember what you visit. Um, I went up to Notre Dame. Oh wow! Were um, you, you grade wise eligible for that? I was okay, and I was decent enough at golf that I think I, okay. like I think they would have helped me. And I, I I I believe I got into Notre Dame. Um, and then the one I remember specifically is I went to Creighton. Okay, and uh, you would have been hanging with Markison and Sill. Would have been awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, and I could have played golf up there. Okay, and Do you still play. But yeah, quite a bit. I okay. mean, it's just something to do. Um, but I was there for probably three, 30 minutes, and I was like, Dad, we can go home. And he's like, well, we were meeting with the golf coach tomorrow. You know, you're staying with this guy. I'm like, no, we can go home. And it was just for me when I went up there. Like, we had been going up to KU, and you have these, like, you know, I hate to put it in these terms, but, like, you're being rushed by fraternities. There are these parties with 2,000 people in them. You know, it's like there's a million different things to do, and it's beautiful, and it's green, and there's hills everywhere. And, like, I went to Creighton, and it was a, you know, a two-block-by-four-block campus in the middle of, you know, Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, this isn't probably – I mean, who knows? I'd probably be a doctor right now if I had gone there. But, like, <laughs> there was just no, like – the experience that we had gotten when we were in high school, being able to go up to KU, it was just impossible to, I, you know, it was I, so it, fun. It was so much that I, I didn't I, go. I yeah. didn't go. Yeah. And um, that's my, my daughter's doing the same thing yeah. where it's, it's too much for her. And for me, because I wasn't from Kansas city and because my parents didn't go to KU, even, you know, like, even by senior year, you didn't consider yourself from Kansas city. You, you know, I, I will always remember my dad sitting at the chiefs games, watching the bears games. Oh my on God. Watch man. Wow. Yeah. It was, we, you know, it, it because they didn't have the roots, it was still fresh. Sure. And it didn't feel so like um I mean I can see why for my daughter it feels played out. You know, like right. she's been doing it since she was three. Yeah. My dad probably went to his first KU basketball game when I was a sophomore in high school. Okay. And so it was still like you, KU You don't have season tickets, do you? To KU basketball? Yeah. I we have in the past. We don't okay. Right now, okay. Yeah. Uh would you when you're you know, all those years of being would you guys go up go back up often to visit? Chicago oh yeah. When, I, yeah when I was a kid yeah we we were there if not once if not twice a year okay you know it, yeah it was Chicago was um I don't know when 
Kansas City became home for my parents, but I would imagine it was after I was in college. Okay. You know, I mean, like, if you're if you're that entrenched, if you're second, third generation entrenched in Chicago and you move to Kansas City for work, I have to imagine that takes a while to break out of you. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, and so... I was just... Just this week, I was like, um, I wonder how close... Uh, you know, my years in Missouri versus my years in Kansas. Oh, that's interesting. And yeah. so, uh, for, you know, because I was born in South Carolina, came came back to Kansas City, Georgia, back to Kansas City, call, you know, and it, it, it like I got 22 Missouri years versus uh, 13. I was wow. like, oh, my God, how did I even think that was close? Yeah, that's weird. That's actually really weird. Yeah. That's, um, that, yeah, that's and I've, I think I've lived in Missouri for a whopping total of like three weeks. You know, like, <laughs> one of those, like not out of like not out of any reason. Other Wait than, a second! I thought you said you moved down the street from your old place. Yeah, the other other way, Kansas way. Okay, so you were you were was it PV? Was the old place technically PV? Or? It was it was it backed up to PV. It was Mission Hills. Okay. By, by a half block. Half block. And so now we're a block and a half in. In Missouri? Um, no, in Mission Hills. We're we're right off of Belinder. Okay, so you haven't lived in Missouri? No, I the I lived at my in my parents' basement for a minute when gotcha. they had moved to Missouri when gotcha. we were waiting to close on a house. Okay, you okay. Know, like we moved, uh, we'll not get into it, but we moved under kind of odd circumstances. My parents had been in a car accident. You know, we moved when my, my wife was eight months pregnant okay. with our seventeen-year-old, and so we had to kind of had to get here because I didn't want to be in Denver when my kid was born. And so we probably moved two years before to five years before we had probably planned on coming back. If we were going to come back, we came back in a little bit more of a hurry than we, we had expected to. And all of a sudden, you know, like, I don't know if you remember when, you know, I didn't, I thought kids came out at nine months on the day yeah. and all of a sudden it was like, I'm, I'm finishing our house in Denver that we, you know, we bought and we're building and really never lived in, um, as it was finished. And, um, or not building was just fixing. And, uh, my wife was like, I think I'm having contractions. I'm like, I need to not be in Denver anymore. And so it was like, instead of moving into, uh, instead of moving into the house that we eventually bought over in Prairie village, we ended up moving into my parents to have the kid. And then, wow. Yeah. So it was kind of one of those weird, I mean, so, so what did you study at KU? Uh, journalism and creative writing. Okay. So I was, uh, advertising journalism. Okay. And then I think I'm probably six hours short of a creative writing degree. Wow. I had that uh, weird college now thing, so I I got done in three and a half years, which was, and with almost two degrees. Does like, that mean that you entered college with credits? Yeah, I had okay. like thirty three hours going into college. Were you go? Were you leaving the building at East? No, to, dude, it was just like AP English and, okay. and history, and like I wasn't even a good student. It was just if you really? were on the right track. I mean, I wasn't a bad student. Right, I was a hundred thirtieth in our class. I mean, it was nothing spectacular. Huh. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, Wow. So I, um, I, I, so at Pitt State communications, cause they may get choose something yeah. and then went out to Estes with Weaver for the summer yeah. and then moved all, you know, got all everything set, set up for the transfer to KU and yeah. had, had a place with, um, uh, Gilman and uh, Marty Smith ended up taking my place. Which place? Uh, whatever. Oh, the, the, the two bed, the, the Burton Ernie room, the way where it was a two bedroom that four dudes lived. I in. never saw it, but, oh, four, yeah, yeah. but four dudes. Yeah. Four had, dudes lived. It was, uh, was Simpson. No, no, it wouldn't have been. It would have been, it eventually ended up Kirkwood, Gilman, Marty, and man, who was the fourth? 
But I think you guys started off with two, and, and they ended up. No, with... it was going to be four. Was it okay? And so I, the last thing I had to do was there was a, a would have been our sophomore year. Yes. Yeah. Fall that... semester sophomore. Yeah, year. that was it was Kirkwood, Gilman. Jesus, I I used to live in that place. It was it wasn't Smith because he would have been already in the house, right? Yeah. No, Matt Matt and I would have to walk over there because okay. Matt and I were living together. You were at that point. you were in the house. I was just thinking, okay. Matt okay. and I were living together at that point. Uh, um, dude, who was the uh, Marty and who was the fourth? It, it wasn't Sims. Definitely not Sims. It I, was, I, I remember hearing stories of Sims' dog. He would have. He would being around. He would have been there. Which was the sibling of my dog. Oh no, kidding. Yeah, yeah. He would. He would have. I mean, it was not abnormal to see him in there. Yeah. It wasn't like. Wasn't Gronky. No, definitely wasn't Gronky. Wasn't like Eric Hart or Canning. It wasn't Canning because Canning they had that house yeah. that next year yeah. over with Glick. Uh huh. Um. It might have been Austin Tolson. No. No, did he live? I don't think so. Anyway. Yeah, it does it might have actually been Austin, weirdly enough, okay. because it was a bunch of Sigma Chi expats. <laughs> well, um, so so I'm so I'm I end up I take a year off, I get residency, and now I'm in school and down in Durango. I switched to uh no, I'm sorry, I chose psychology. No, I chose communications and now now in Colorado I choose psychology. But I do I'm spending almost all of my time in the English, like I'm on newspaper staff, I've yeah. got a radio show. So as, as graduation approaches and, and I'm just, I'm, I'm basically fluent in Spanish when I get there, okay. but I start just taking everything until like, I don't senior year. And, and you know, like the first assignment was to read, uh, the man of La Mancha in, in Spain's yeah. Vosotros. Yeah. And I was like, yo, yeah, I'm fluent. I don't yeah. anyway. So I, I ended up minoring in English literature had a psych degree and was like three credit hours away from a Spanish minor. Which would have been cool. Well, whatever. I'm still yeah. fluent. Yeah, I was going to um, say that. So I, I always knew I wanted to do uh, grad school, but I was like, am I doing communicate English? Am I doing yeah. psychology? And so uh, se- five years, seven years later, something like that. Yeah, seven years later, I, I enrolled in, in UMKC and emerged with a creative writing master's. Nice. I, uh, I was in... Um CU's creative writing program for in uh, masters cool. for a hot minute, yeah, nice. And then we ended up moving back, but like right. uh, I had taken a couple classes, had gotten formally accepted, and was starting. And we moved about the same time I would have been starting. Wait, so so you finished college in three and a half years, and your first move after that is Chicago for five solo. Uh, yeah, I mean, my the person who is now my wife, um, I actually moved to Vail for six months. Did you guys again. meet in Lawrence? We met in Lawrence, and yeah. she went to high school Oklahoma City. Oh yeah. So, okay. So she uh, she moved to Chicago. She was a year ahead of me. Uh, moved to Chicago. I graduated. Went skiing. You know, just, <laughs> like basically left. I think you, I. You guys are dating in college. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So I think I uh, I think you know you do your final presentation like December eighth. Yeah. And I think my car was packed. And we, <laughs> you know, like we drove drove out to Vail, came back for two days for Christmas, and then was like we were out there until probably June. Then I moved to Chicago in June for. A little under five years. Okay. For then, did you go for a gig? You already had something lined up, or uh, not really? Okay. You know, I mean, I was twenty two. It was like figured I, out when we get logic, there. I should have graduated college twenty minutes ago, right? Um, and so went up there. I had didn't realize I had hurt my back in Vail, so I actually ended up ha- having to come back for back surgery. 
to KC. To KC. Okay. Sometime after, like in the middle of the summer. Did the, did the, did the surgery fix it? Yes. Yeah, oh, nice. I mean, I I just did something stupid skiing, and right. like when you're young and yeah. dumb and barely insured. Um, <laughs> and so I, I I don't think I probably had a real job in Chicago for probably six months because okay. I had to move back. Sure. And then I had places I could get jobs. You know, in 1997, it wasn't hard to find a job in advertising right. in right. Chicago. Um, but yeah, that moved uh, moved back there, and we moved to Denver. From Chicago. From Chicago, September 1st, 2001. So, oops. Um, and I had a job waiting for me on the 15th. I was going to take two weeks off and go fishing. And then with after September. You had a job waiting for you in Chicago? In, De- in Denver. In Denver. Yeah. Why was that an oops? Because September 11th happened. Uh, what's the correlation with that and the move? Oh, we moved on September 1st. I had a job waiting for me on September 15th. When September 11th, I mean, I don't know if you remember this, but like, the world froze oh, yeah, for a better part of a month. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, the place I was going to work. Mine didn't because I was chefing. Oh, was got just, it, yeah. You know, yeah. The the wake the, up an hour before your shift, go yeah. 10 hours, drink yourself to sleep, and then repeat. Repeat. Yeah. Um, the company I was going to work at was closed by Damn. November. So it was, like, one of those things. Forever? Like, yeah. No, oh, it shit. was. It, uh, Denver, we kind of moved there, and there was a tech bubble there that we didn't have in Kansas City. And really, Chicago had a little bit of it. But the economy was collapsing from all the mortgage stuff back then anyway, I think. And so we, you know, I don't, I never went to an office in Denver. I always worked out of Chicago and worked out of like San Francisco Wow. when I was there because there were, the, what I did, you know, I was a copywriter at that point. Sure. And there were probably seven people who did what I did in okay. Denver or Boulder. Seven. One of them would have had to die, oh, you know. So it was like one of those things like I just, I freelance for four years and did fine i mean it was kind of but it was an awesome way to live yeah i just went fly fishing and skied a bunch yeah I wasn't working, right so. so okay so oh one and you're there for how long uh a little under four four okay yeah. so, so we came back five ish yeah right right oh four l was born in november of oh four so okay. i think i think my stuff was still in denver in, at the beginning of oh five but i think i was back here and and why come back uh oh Long story, don't need to get. My parents got into a car accident, so they were kind oh. of dealing with some nasty stuff. Okay, and, and I had spent a good chunk of the time where Robin was in Denver, pregnant with L, back here helping them out. And you know Charlie Irwin, right? Yeah, I remember we went to his wedding in like maybe May of that would have been oh four. Okay, um, and I would have promised you in April of oh four that we were never going to live in Kansas City. Like, you know, I loved living in Colorado. I loved living in Chicago. Um, I still will hold steadfast to the fact that there's a question when it's 105 degrees why we live here. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, I, I had no intention of ever moving back. And, you know, Robin's pregnant. We go to Charlie's wedding and, like, kind of had this thing maybe in five years, right before kindergarten, maybe we would move back to Kansas City. Because I think, you know, and I don't know if your experience was the same as mine, but it's a pleasant place to grow up. Yeah. You know, it really is. Yeah. Um, it's it. I always tell people like, should I come to Kansas City to visit? I'm like, yeah, I don't know, but if you're here, you'll have a good time. Like, yeah. it's a great place to live. But there was uh, had never had the perspective of having another human that I had to worry about. When I'm worried about me, I want to be by a river, I want to be by a mountain, I want to be you know where I can ride my bike, whatever the case would be. And then all of a sudden, I start thinking about like, well, we have to move because my kid can't go to school where we live right now. And more than likely, I don't want to live in the suburbs of Denver. So all of a sudden we're thinking like, do we move to Salida? Do I move to Loveland? You know, where, where do you move? Do we move to Fort Collins to have a kid here? And then all of a sudden we kind of started talking like maybe it wasn't so bad where we grew up. Like maybe, 
there's a lot of great things about Kansas City that I didn't realize. And so, you know, move back four blocks from my house. And sure. now I live now I live, you know, six hundred yards from it. Right. So one of those So things. so your uh soon to be senior uh is gonna be in Norman. Where where did Robin grow up? She grew up in Oklahoma City, so oh, thirty minutes away. Thirty minutes. Yeah. And her, her folks still there? Yep. And are they there together? Yep. And like every everything's groovy hunky yeah. door everybody gets along and loves one another oh yeah okay be, it's gonna it, it kind of the great news for her if she, and she you know it's still up in the air she may may not but I, mean, I would guess she's gonna do that but they have a long history at ou and so l has a little bit of familiarity almost like the film familiarity i would have had with ku sure where it was yeah. uh you know it, like it was there was there's a connection there and it's actually really really cool for yeah. her because they know her so it took me till uh episode 16 where the guests in the chair had uh, both parents still, both biological parents still alive, still married. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So I called him, uh, you know, you're, you're like a unicorn. And yeah. then he said something. I was like, Oh my God, you're like a striped unicorn. I mean, yeah. You're, you're, yeah. I was going to say the irony of that is not only you, but your wife. yeah, wife's parents are, yeah, they're all like, I've been to, I've been to two 50th anniversaries. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. You guys somehow you've, bottled the potion and figured out well, how to make it work well she hadn't gotten sick of me yet <laughs> <laughs> so okay so uh chicago denver coming back and uh was there you, you said you had jobs waiting for you here or pick? I, I figured it out pretty quick okay. uh, you know i moved back uh i thought i wanted to own a business and my dad was working at a company that we could have bought um and so i went there for about three four months and realized it wasn't what I wanted to do. Okay. You know, it was a, they were fulfilling books. So it's like literally a place that you bought a book and they put it in a box and they sent it to you and it was a big warehouse and it was just not my speed at that point. And you know, the notion of, uh, owning a business sounded fascinating to me. Now that I do it, it sounds less fascinating. <laughs> um, I bumped into an old professor of mine in the grocery store who was at Bernstein rain. KU. Yeah. Okay. He was my, one of my, uh, like my final advertising professor. And he's like, what are you doing back here? Because he knew, you know, he had followed me when we were in Chicago and stuff like that. And, uh, I'm like, I just moved back. You know, I think I was laughing because he was running through the grocery store with a birthday cake because he was an hour late to, for his wife's birthday. And I had just weed whacked my backyard in this like weird, and so I was coated in grass, you know, like that, <laughs> one of those weird things that happens. I'm not going to run into anybody. Yeah, you just like, got to run in. Yeah, just got to run in and get, you know, yeah, whatever, get some butter. And um, he's like, I need you to start at Bernstein. And I'm like, well, I don't even know if I do that anymore. He's like, no, no, no. Like, I need you, like, tomorrow. You know, we just landed this account. I would have to fly, bring somebody in. He's like, I need you to work there. And I'm like, he's like, can you come to my office tomorrow and we'll talk about it. I'm like, do you need a portfolio? He's like, no, 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 I know what you do. And so it was just cool, one of those man. things where I, I went into my dad and was like, I hope I'm not like ruining your life by telling, but I don't think I want to do this. He's like, oh, I've just been waiting. He's like, you clearly don't want to do this. Like, this oh, is cool, not the right man. thing for That's you. That's awesome. Yeah. He's like, this isn't the right thing for you. He's like, you know, for lack of a better way to describe it, he's like, I probably don't need to take the risk of buying this. I've already had my career. You know, he was on, he was on a second lap of a career anyway. Sure. We're just kind of riding it out. And he was like, yeah, we're, we're good. You go do that. That's, that's a better thing for you to yeah. do. It's what you do. Your dad sounds awesome. Oh dude, my dad's awesome. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so you, so you went right to, uh -huh. to Bernstein and yep. then were you there for a chunk? Or? I was there for probably three years, I okay. think. And then we started a company at night that, effectively became we, we is me and my business partner today okay. you know 15 years later started a company at night with a couple other people and you know we were kind of getting out of advertising and more into music 
And all of a sudden, that business was making more money for us than our day job. And we had the weirdest kind of like choke point in that we had 250 grand on the table to go make three music videos. And this is what I mean, like in our world, like music video is high art. Even in 2005, yeah. you know, like my last wave of doing that, I was still putting stuff on MTV. And so, you know, whether or not my kids care, that still felt like we were like it was still like it was pre YouTube, you know, yeah. and so it still felt like a moment in culture. Yeah. And so we could go. I had you guys. Two, like, you guys don't know who I am. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> I had two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to go make three music videos. When is that ever going to show up on? And I couldn't do it if I had a job. Right. And so we Frankie and I, who's my business partner. Um, basically had yeah, another f- successful long-term relationship. Yeah, I mean, I, you're just, I think I'm stable hitting yard, yeah. going yard. Well, we, th- there was a third dude who was not a successful long-term okay, relationship, well. but he happened to have a company needed like for lack of a better way to describe it. We merged our two companies because he had a, he had two desks for us Okay, and we had a big chunk of business and he had some capabilities that we could bring in there to finish this project. And so it was like, you know, I mean, you can take risks that in your early thirties, I could, you know, it was, infinitely recoverable yeah i um, love that yeah how many how many times can yeah. you say that feels approaching a little, 50 feels a little darker these yeah. days but, <laughs> um but yeah it was super recoverable and so it was like dude i want to go make three music videos and so we did the whole thing and we took you know some of what we learned in advertising and some of the thinking and made for this kind of bizarre canadian punk band made this series of like three music videos what? that were oh it's such a weird i mean wealthy kid wanted to get famous was did he uh, we i mean we got him on warp tour we got okay him, we got it they, they charted in canada they toured with my chemical romance oh like dang. We, we it's amazing what you can buy um and that's the god's truth of the whole yeah. thing is that the music not industry, just for that industry yeah i mean most of them but <sighs> that was music industry you can still do a lot with you know a uh, a McDonald's bag full of money, or whatever the case <laughs> so as long as they're not ones, yeah, right. Yeah, you don't want a yeah. McDonald's bag full, full of ones. ones. No, that's a different deal. But um, but no, so so we made and, and you know the stuff we made was good, and we were super proud of it. And interestingly enough, about two months after that, um, again the market collapses, all the credit stuff in '08 hit. So we had started in probably April May of '08, and then. Fortunately, we had a head start on getting smart and being kind of nimble. And then when everything kind of collapsed in, um, I think it was like probably September, October of eight when things got weird. I think so. Yeah, this really wealthy dude got a little bit worried about his burn rate on his punk band. And so we kind of stopped working with him. And a couple months after that, Tech Nine, who wasn't um, – I mean, he was a big deal here, but he wasn't that big of a deal nationally. Yet. Right, right. Somebody from his camp had seen the work that we did nice. on an album cover. Um, and then, like, within three days, they, they were like, dude, we're shooting this music video. Um, you guys did that for this. Can we do it like that? I'm like, that was 250 grand. He's like, what do you guys have? They're like, well, we have five grand. And so we called every favor we could. And, and you know, for the the – Sound of Fury music videos, the, the dudes in Canada, we brought in a director, probably $35,000 from LA, you know, brought in a cinematographer from LA. We had cameras flown Jesus, in, all this sort of crazy money's stuff. money's going. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we spent a lot of money of that too, but as well we should have, the yeah. budget was there to spend it. Um, with Tech's thing, um, 
we had to call in favors. I'm like, well, who's directing this thing? And, uh, you know, I can't afford that. The dude's name was Marcos. It was 35 grand. Like, we can't afford his plane ticket in this project, right. let alone his day rate. <laughs> and Frankie, my business partner, was like, no, you're doing it. I'm like, I don't want to to do that like i have no idea oh, you're, you're directing yeah like okay. all of a sudden okay. he's like you are and i'm like well i don't know he's like well you've been on set for a million commercials of this and that like how much different can it really be and i'm like you're just in charge now yeah i don't know you know it's so, piecemeal from all the projects yeah, you've been a part of and kind of what we did and um, slapped together an outline the first week yeah, that's exact i mean in two days and we didn't have enough time to be nervous you know that was a funny thing and so we made the first one that went well and the second one we did was a tech video called red nose and it ended up winning him like award an award at mtv i think it was the first time he ever got on real deal mtv and stuff like that and premiered and so we had we still have like this giant mtvu woody thing cool. where you want breakout artist of the year nice. and all these cool things and so at that point that was just kind of what we did for a little while yeah is we started making music videos and this is oh eight oh nine but your company is liquid nine and it's yeah. still what you do uh we don't i mean but i mean the company's oh it's still solid I and mean, we do more advertising now okay and it's, it's it's kind of evolved where we left advertising and then all of a sudden we realized that when youtube hit um the music video used to be the artistic introduction to an artist, right? Yeah. Or an album or a song or a concept or whatever the whole thing was. The second it became something to monetize by the click, we really, um, the value for what we needed to get paid to do it versus the effort just didn't line up anymore. No. And so we, we kind you were, of... You were smart again. Well, we, 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 we actually helped text label build their internal department to do this because all of a sudden they want instead of having one great video you want six because they were i mean they, that was a revenue stream yeah like vivo was a real deal revenue stream for them and so yeah we just helped them do that and we kind of got out of that we did a couple of big ones along the way there but um we switched almost on accident to, back to advertising okay and our our switch <laughs> at that point had a lot of music stuff in it like we ended up um, doing a whole bunch of Wendy stuff with like with Boys to Men or Nick Lachey sure. or stuff like that, um, and so it was a pretty logical transition. And because I played music and because I had made music videos, we ended up writing like all of like there's a bunch of these where we ended up being brought in to help them write the joke songs for advertising. Okay, and then advertising at that moment is leaving thirty seconds. It's going into two minute chunks, and so you can have a full musical thought. Yeah. In two minutes. Cool. And so we ended up, you know, we always had a full time, we still do have a full time composer working there. And so oh, I wow. would work with the composer and he, like, you know, composers aren't inherently funny. No. And so it would be like, dude, I don't know how to, like, I can't orchestrate this thing, but it needs to feel like this. Here are the words, da 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 da. And I remember he would just look at me like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, this doesn't make sense. Like, I just go know, with it, bro. You know, I, st I studied studied at Abbey Road. Yeah. You know, I was like, that kind of shit. I'm like, well, we're, we're making an extended dick joke about a car right now. Right. So, so that's what we're doing. Um, but yeah, it was, a, it was a weird transition. And then that kind of transitioned me at that point into just being a commercial director. So, okay. yeah. So that's how you spend your hours today? Uh, now I just run the company. Okay. I, I, I so there's somebody else in your former yep. role? My business partner does most of that. Okay. Again, the one that told you you got to get out there yep. and do it? <laughs> and then at one point I told him he did. Right. Um, I, I had... Uh, it's two-way street, bro. Come yeah, on. Come on. It's fine. But now we... That world shifted again. Okay. Um, and where it's more... When the cameras got more and more digital and the process became more simple and the lights became lighter and uh more bright and yeah. you know all this sort of stuff you started to have to make more and more and more of it 
rather than yeah. back in the old days we would have you know you'd do one commercial for 300 grand now for 100 we might make 16 in a series of stuff and so what his skills were versus what my skills are like i was better at you know working with talent to chase a specific vision sure. of a of a project okay. where he's way better visually than i ever was and so he can create this vibe across a portfolio nice and it was i also had um in 2018 in february i got hit by a car and so i can't i can't work 16 hours a day anymore like i used to meaning seated uh, or i was i was going 10 miles an hour they were going 50 and t-boned me and hit me hard enough to total a four day old suburban holy shit like man. they i mean they've like all airbags knock the wheels off the car and so um i would be real reluctant to you know in the old days i could work five days 16 hours a day in a row i would i wouldn't accept someone's money to do that anymore um because i don't know like i'm not as good like i'm not as good at night as i used to be i'm not as good in law just a little bit of like i have a chronic brain injury yeah for real yeah that's not ideal you don't want one no, avoid it. I, I like to avoid injuries in general, <laughs> but yeah, let alone brain, brain. One isn't the one you want. No, uh, so that when you say you can't do the work along, it's because this this needs to recover and rest. It, and yeah, the, the recovery is completely different than it used to be. Wow. Yeah, I have don't. You, have you noticed any change or oh, improvement or worsening or? No, I mean it's kind of weird. I've, I've the thing that sucked about when it happened is it was improving. And then when COVID hit, you couldn't get into a neurologist, Oh my god! you know? And so I had like kind of a, almost a year where it didn't, I didn't move at all. I couldn't get it. And so now in the last couple of years, I've been working really, really hard on seeing if there's any chance to get it better, but it doesn't scientifically, mathematically, I'm probably, I am where I am. Some kind of relative of CTE. It, or you know it, with one hit i'm sure it is but mine's mine's called a tbi it's a traumatic brain injury where a right. cte is that like it's repeated right you know right, tiny right. hits where this was one really really big one um jesus man yeah you don't want it like it, you definitely don't want it but i'm i always look at it like i'm lucky enough that i was able to transition from being the talent to the CEO. Okay. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, and everybody was cool with that. Right? Yeah. Well, it, I was doing both. Right. And so, um, there's a whole other story about losing, take them. this hat yeah. off and yeah. set it. Well, right that, that was kind of what happened. And, and truth be told, I, I, I think the rumor or the, the logic or the story of what happened to me got circulated around and then nobody's going to hire you at some point too. And so even if I had wanted, I was, if I was, I'm fine. I can do this. And I would, I would probably have bonked on a set at some point, but I didn't have the option even if I wanted to. And I did, you know, I had six months of recovery. And so in that industry, if you're, if you take six months where you're not working, all of a sudden you're old news, you know, it was, I, I worked steady for seven straight years. And then all of a sudden for when, you know, I was my, but Frankie, my business partner, used to laugh. I'd be, we'd be sitting in a meeting at like one o'clock. I would just walk away. It was like I was done. You know, it wasn't for three to six months. It wasn't good. And then that got way better. Now this I is eighteen. Yeah, this is eighteen. Wow, man. Yeah, I had we no had, idea. Yeah, we had wrapped our biggest shoot we had ever done, 
and four days later, I got hit. Damn. Yeah. What? Here? Yeah. Crossroads? Uh, like uh, Mission and Shawnee Mission Park. Or, I mean, uh, State Line and Shawnee Mission Parkway. Oh. Like right by the yeah. Conoco Bank. Yeah. Yeah. I, just, I mean, I was just green light, dude, whiffed and just hammered me. Like, didn't see didn't see the light. So I had, uh, let's see, it was the Saturday after, I'm sorry, it was the day after KU. I mean, it was the 08 run. And okay. it was like uh, maybe the first Final Four, Elite Eight, one of those. I'm I'm southbound on Oak. Okay. And I'm rolling th- and I'm listening to uh, Denny Matthews on on oh, the, yeah. in my car. So you'd said three words. Well, yeah. It was a beautiful day. Yeah. And uh, I had the green, and there's on the on the um, southwest corner of that intersection. There's a church there. Yeah. And I, I I'm rolling through, and I just I, I see a flash. Yep, and it was this I know, like I know that flash. caddy. Sh- I mean, yeah. it was a sled. Yeah, uh, and they were doing fifty plus. Yeah, and um, I I jammed the brakes as hard as I could, and I t boned them. Oh, and pushed them in across both lanes and up and onto the property of that church. Okay, on the seventy fifth yeah. street side. Neither one of them were wearing seatbelts. Were they okay? I mean, they sma- They completely yeah. smashed the. You know, they got Dashboard, out and they were yeah, all they bloodied. Airbags, yeah. Well, I, I mean, my shit, my both airbags deployed. Uh, my front end was totally crushed. I was, uh, I was burning a heater. Yeah. And um, that and the sunglasses on my face and my backwards ball cap all went out the window. I mean, it was. Jesus. And yeah. I, you know, just my car was just pancaked and just gushing. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of adrenaline, but just that's what I remember specifically is that adrenaline is. But crazy. literally, like just a fraction different and and they're t-boning me on the driver's side yeah that's right? what that's what happened to me was, uh, i got um i saw because he never hit the brakes right you know and i saw like here i saw it mm-hmm. it's such a weird like i had a buddy he used to until he realized it was a real problem he used to mess with me because he could come at me from that side and i would i still would Jesus. clench for a while um but yeah i mean th- that dude he hit me with a scion and that car was probably nine feet shorter eight feet shorter than so like crazy. he just walked away i mean that cars are amazing like the fact that an engine and an engine can compress like that and not kill him like he was upset because i mean i think he probably bought, banged his head too i would give the guy credit there but he was upset like he's like his lighter didn't work because his <laughs> lemonade hit it and he was trying to light a cigarette oh, and i was God. like dude this is what you're worried about Your right light, my brain doesn't work yeah well I, and I, I had no idea right. I, mean, I didn't even go to the like I didn't even go to the hospital. Oh wow! Like I was there, like my shoulder hurt a little bit, but there's so much adrenaline. Yeah. And I went to my office and I like I called up and I was like, "Oh, dude, can you pick me up? I need to get to work." And uh, went to my office and they're like, "You're wandering around like a fucking moron, dude. You need to go to the doctor now." I'm like, "Oh, I'm fine." They're like, "You know, like you, you know, just put ketchup and coffee, like that kind of a thing. Like you need to go to the doctor. You're not okay." And so I went to the doctor and the doctor like. I'm like, I'm fine. I don't know why they made me come here. And he's like, I'll see you Friday. And it was, you know, like probably Monday or Tuesday. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, I'll see you Friday. And I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. And woke up the next day. It felt like uh, I, the only time I'd ever been in that much pain is I tried to play football for one year. And when you're a freshman, I remember that. Yeah, they put they the they let the seniors destroy you hmm. the first day you wear pads. Okay. Um, I remember being in that kind of pain that the next morning. Really? Yeah, I couldn't like you know. Just the physical pain of that, and I don't know if you had this, but when that adrenaline lets go, yeah, it's like you had a full body like workout, yeah. And so everything in my body hurt the next day, and I woke up and I was at my office, and I was trying to add like 
these aren't the numbers, I'm sure, but like something in five, like so 410 and five. And I'm sitting there and I have my phone and my laptop trying to figure out how to connect to get to 415. And I couldn't do it. Jesus. And I'm like, oh shit, I got a problem. Like, did I got you, a real problem. Did you, in, in your journey since then, have, have you done any biofeedback to like look at? I don't exactly know what bio, I know my therapist is very, very into that and okay. is, it's interested in like examining. I mean, I had it. I had MRIs. I had CAT scans. I had all sure. that stuff done. Um, and I went through. And a lot of the stuff I don't really remember because right. I'm kind of lost four months. You know where I I don't remember it at all. But um, I went through like concussion. Like I'm going to call it concussion protocol, but that sounds like I'm a football player. But I went through like a, a concussion. Clinic. Where's Dad? He's in the blue tent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I I went through like a concussion clinic, like in. I don't know where it was, but I know that I. I mean, I couldn't drive a car. You know, like, um, I knew I didn't, I wasn't driving at that point. So I would take an Uber and it was like by K7 or something. And uh, so I did also, I mean, I've done everything I can kind of sure. do. And I, there's some interesting <clears throat> stuff. There's some like magnetic deal that I'm interested in that we don't have here. Oh. Um, that I, at some point will go explore. Like if it doesn't, you know, for three years, I thought it was going to get better. And it's not going to. And so at some point, I'm probably just going to go up to Mayo or something along those lines and just, dude, I mean, is there anything here? Is is the is the case insurance-wise still no, open? No, that, that's still going. Okay. So that, that's a weird deal where it makes it, I can't probably go to Mayo right now because they wouldn't take it while the insurance case is still open. So this was 18? 18, yeah. COVID. Okay. COVID. Okay. I forget. I, yeah. I just said yeah. everything, everything yeah. in the world gets set back by two years. So it, yeah, it, let's talk about something cooler. Than yeah. That. Are you, are you doing okay? You I'm need great. anything? Yeah, okay. Um, so thanks for being here. Yeah. This is great. Um, so your list had 19 records on it. Okay. Uh, for a number of different reasons I cherry picked. Okay, great. Um, and so one was the interest of time. Uh, one, um, you know, do something like this and yeah. re repeats are going to happen. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've, I've talked to two different folks about, um, Yankee hotel. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say that's an easy one to talk um, to about a lot, but, uh, and there's, there's one or two that like future folks have tabbed and, um, and then there's a couple that are pretty well known. Yeah. Um, so I took, uh, nine, that I don't know at all, okay. really. Okay. And then one that I was so fucking geeked out by. Okay. Nice. Uh, so, and 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 we're we're going chronologically, which okay. which means coincidentally that we're starting with the one that I'm super super geeked out about. Okay. I'm which intrigued is now. Blood on the tracks. Oh. Okay. Um. So I've had uh, like I don't know, three or four blog projects over the years. Um. The the one that was you know, oh seven, oh eight, like, you know, generating thirty five thousand page views and, and like we had we were getting paid through ticket brokers and oh, selling cool. shirts and uh, it was with two my two best buddies from the newspaper staff from college. Oh that's awesome. Um the theme of the blog was the Broncos and Chiefs because okay. they're fucking Broncos yeah. fans. Um but eventually and I was I would cut them checks and like mail them um, and, uh, eventually, uh, you know, so like we're, the three of us are, are doing writing, 
you know, and at first just kind of willy nilly. And then, uh, and then I was like, all right, somebody's got to shepherd this project and kind of, you know, delicately dole out. You, you've shown that you're good at this. Yeah. Now it's going to be a weekly deal. Okay. And here's your deadline. Yeah. And we kind of went with, and then eventually it, the joy sort of eroded and it became more of a chore for, yeah. for them. Yeah. Right. And they also have their own lives. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, so I just kind of like was at the, the tail end of the life span of that blog. I was just kind of doing my own writing and I decided I was going to rank, um, the 25 best Dylan albums, Okay. which meant which I'm, sta- possible. I'm starting from, you know, uh, self-titled or freewheel. And I think self-titled and each album gets three uninterrupted listens. Okay. Even if I know the album well. And so that ended up, uh, having to, I had like one record, mostly tapes, like three or four CDs. And then I had to like, I had to get the library to send me one that I couldn't find anywhere. Okay. I had, we had this cool craft table in the basement of the old place. And I, I arranged all of them at the end of it and like took a picture and it's That's like, really cool. yeah. So, so are you, do, are you doing like basement tapes as part of this too? Or are you no, doing Royal Albert Hall? No, like none of those. Stu- okay. Dylan, you know, okay. so you get, you get basement tapes is a Dylan record with the band backing him. Right. Um, I think that somewhere in that somewhere time in that frame, era, you know, there's like, a, the highway 61 era. It's yeah. So, so what I, I did, it, I did four parts. I did a preview kind of just explaining the yeah. project. And then I did, um, what's the 25th? I don't remember. The, okay. I was going to say, what's the worst Dylan album? Well, right? there's, there's like 33 or 36. Oh, okay. so you eliminated. So, so I did, uh, you know, 25 to 11. Okay. In, the, in the second installment yeah. and then I did 10 through one and then the following day I did here's here's a ranking of the records that didn't make the cut okay um and number one was blood on the tracks okay um like it to me is the best uh, he's got a lot of good records yeah. but that's still just I mean he, highway 61 Maybe you know blonde on blonde blonde on blonde was perfect. two yeah I mean about perfect um those two are cousins too right they're revolver rubber soul yeah uh, so, you know, not a lot to say about Tangled Up in Blue, but a simple twist of fate still just, I mean, gives me goosebumps and watery eyes. And do you, uh, did you watch the Rolling Thunder thing Mm-mm. on Netflix? Oh God, tomorrow. Um, the, the, when he started that endless tour, it was the Rolling Thunder review. And, um, I, you saw, have you seen Dylan much, right? I think I only saw Dylan at Spirit Fest when we were like in high school. Oh God, I, I've seen him a bunch, and he's awful or great. Yep, nice. and he can never play a song the way he recorded it, so it's always I, yeah. a different key, different. But like when he plays "Civil Twist of Fade" on that Rolling Thunder review thing, it's it's such an unbelievably like in a completely different way, but it it holds. It's just, I mean, lyrically that song is, and structurally it's weird, yeah. you know. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, um, I'm with you. I love the baseline story uh, and, and no fucks given, hitting the, just trying to hit those high notes. Yeah. Black hey. afraid, <laughs> you know. Um, I've always felt, and you know, this is I I I gave it a, a brief revisit for this. Um, You're a big girl now, and idiot wind. I think are maybe the best, like track. You know, sequ- sequentially listed. I'm tracking p- with you. Pair of tracks. Yeah. that I've ever heard. Interesting. Um, 
there's just I don't know and and, and you know the, a part of it is um, you know big girl now ends yeah and there's three seconds maybe yeah. five but then he just someone's got it and it yeah. feels like a sequel yeah um you're it's interesting i don't know that i would have ever when you say that i mean he's like you can that album so ingrained in my brain i can connect it perfectly but i don't know that i would have ever even put those two together oh i've always it's felt such like... an interesting like because it's not like that there is a i mean it stops yeah it does you know like it, it clearly stops it's uh he was so snarky at that point too. Like because yeah. those are a couple of like, you know, snarky songs. Yeah, like, you know, uh, uh, snarky, but there's some heartfelt. Yeah, you know, for yeah. sure. Um, he just, he, I mean, that dude wrote different. Yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, the, the there's some kind of like flamenco guitar work, you know, and to open up Big Girl now. Yeah. Um, and you know, as it goes out, you get token Dylan harmonica. Yeah. Um, like I said, they, they roll perfectly. Um, and, uh, if you, if you, if you have that album or that song, uh, ingrained in your brain and you're listening to it and you don't feel inclined to sing along at the top of your voice, yeah. like you should talk to your doctor and your yeah. therapist. You and, have something wrong yeah. with you. Um, meet me in the morning, uh, 47 year old swagger that has aged flawlessly yeah. i don't know yeah just just i mean you can see him playing yeah. slide guitar poorly yeah yeah <laughs> um man i just um so so little is certain um but i'm i'll go to my grave saying this is one of the best records of all time oh i i i um i mean i made the list for a reason yeah but it's it's funny because you were talking about wilco and I jump back and forth between three of them. And then Dylan, I have that same problem where, like, Blonde on Blonde, I think, and it's it's weird because it's, like, it's cleaner. It's Revolver to, um, I, I'm trying to think even in the context of the Beatles, but, like, their records got, even Sgt. Pepper yeah. is intentionally uneven yep. in a perfect way. Yep. Whereas Blonde on Blonde's pretty even. Uh-huh. You know what I mean, and Highway sixty one is kind of a ripper. Yeah, and like when you um, the that uh, the Royal Albert Hall concert with the band playing Highway sixty one, you know where he plays the acoustic on the front side of the of the, the CD one and the the electric when they're all pissed off at him and they're calling him <laughs> Judas and shit like that. Like, but for a hot minute, because that I was laughed. You know, like Dylan and the Dead was a terrible record. Oh. And like I love Dylan, I love the Dead, but this is shit. And it always that ketchup and coffee. Yeah, that, exactly. <laughs> nuts and gum. Uh, that uh, that b- the band and Dylan at that point was what I wanted Dylan and the Dead to sound like, where yeah. it's like a ripping loose band behind yeah. him, and then him going crazy yeah. with it. And but the like, and it's not even that Blood on the Tracks is maybe it's just a lack of commercialness that was intentional there that made it better. To yeah. Me. And that's the one that like, if you told me I had to take a Dylan album with you, it's definitely blood on the track. Well, I went into that project yeah. feeling fairly certain that desire would be my number one. Oh, and interesting. I, and you're going to love the rolling Thunder. Thing okay. It's that it's the oh, desire. God, tour, you know? So many yeah. fucking good yeah. songs on yeah. that rock. I did. I just heard a puppy yip. So I'm okay. going to let her out. Cool. I'm going to pee. Uh, you I'm going to go grab it. Okay. So, uh, moving into the rest of this. Okay, you know, I'm curious. This is 
just shit that I find interesting from okay. either the band or the record itself. Right. It's not, I'm not trying to, I, shit I didn't know, right? So I'm not Love trying it. to be like, who, you know. Yeah. So we go, what was that? 75 to 78. Okay. Which is uh, Outlandos de Amor. Oh. The Police. Yeah. So you're not, that's I mean, not a record you're familiar with? No. Oh, God. Greatest um, band in the world at that point. I mean, uh, so this is their debut, and uh-huh. it's got Roxanne and Can't Stand Losing You. Um, five studio records combined, 75 million records sold. Yep. Like, what? Yep. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, um, I'm... Uh, um, I've I've had patches of time where I'm like a, a pretty big ZZ Top fan, okay, and patches of time where I'm a p- pretty big Rush fan, okay, and and you know the the, the flag that you wave with that is like show me another three piece, yeah, they're that, uh, they're the three piece. That, I mean, I've always kind of known. I mean, yeah, uh, I, I didn't know um, anything about Andy Summers. I didn't even know his name, but I've oh. always known it was Sting and Stuart Copeland. Yep, and I didn't even know that it was. Stuart Copeland until Oysterhead existed. Oh, okay. And so, speaking of three piece, um, so uh, another movie to watch. There's a Andy Summers became a, um, like an amateur photographer, and I think it was called "Can't Stand Losing You." Um, he did a documentary about his time in the police. Andy Summers was like ten years older than those dudes. Um, he was already a relatively like, kind of one of those like. Uh, Alex Chilton and Big Star, where he was already in the box tops kind of thing. Okay. Um, and I could have botched all that. But um, that's quite all right. But Andy Summers was definitively, he was a musician before those guys. You know, Sting was a punk. Right. Like in Sting, I mean, did you ever watch, uh, what was it, um, Quadrophenia? No. Where Sting's the bellboy? No. You know, bellboy. Yeah. Sting plays bellboy. Okay. In Quadrophenia, like b- before he's Sting. Wow. You know, Gordon Sumner I, plays he, that. He, he get right? Yeah. He, and he get, got that nickname because he used to wear a yellow and black stripe something or other. No idea. Looked like yeah. a bumblebee. Looked like a bumblebee. Fair enough. I mean, um, and nobody has ever gone from being the coolest man in the world to sucking more than Sting, too. Really? It's like... You don't like any of his solo shit? I'm sure. I, you know, I saw him randomly. Um, I We were down at the national championship. The Oregon-Ohio State game just happened to be down there, and I was like, dude, I'm totally going to this. And got into the some p- private party where, you know, it was we were 12 feet from Sting playing, you know, half police songs, half Sting songs. And I think in that context, for the first time ever, I admitted that a solo Sting song could be okay. But I've I've had ten hours of arguments in my life talking about how much Sting sucks and yeah. how great Police Sting was. So, so I love the Police. I got well, one song okay. coming, come solo song coming okay. in. Hey, can you guess what it is? I don't know. Fields of Gold. Like, I don't even know. All this time. All this the river flows. Oh, it sounds like I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> it already sounds like I hate it. It, it, it like, smells like disappointment. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, he had the the police had so much edge yeah. in that first record, and they got poppy by the end. But some of the pop was magic. But that 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 and uh, um, Regatta de Blanc mm-hmm. are just they're kind of like they're egg records where you're like, holy shit, this guy's gonna become this thing it's kind of early Elvis Costello is kind of the same way where it's like he's going to become a virtuoso 
but right now he's just a punk with cool ideas right and though that like that f- those first two police records are so good for I that got, i gotta give the yeah. other one a listen yeah they're 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 i think um i think that was a band that a lot a lot like early u2 but i just like them better than i like early sure U2. sure I've, it, I've tried like I've talked about this on here before, but uh, not not anymore, um, not recently. But I've had pockets of time where one day I wake up and I was like, you know, "Today's the day that I'm gonna like really get in there and and find out what the secret is about Bruce Springsteen." Oh, and it's I, hard. And I start, and I'm yeah, like, it's "Hard, not gonna happen." Yeah, it's uh, hard. <laughs> I I, uh, I there are many things I want to like more than I do. That's one of them. Yeah, and it's not that I. It's not that I don't like Bruce Springsteen. I'm like, if you, do you like Bruce Springsteen, sure. But sure. Like, I just have never put the time in. You know, you again. You're back to 33 records. Yeah. Like, I think I missed it. Yeah. 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 Um. So, t- like, obviously, with that kind of sales, tons of fans. How How did you become one? So I lived in Chicago, in uh, from whatever that would have been 97 to 01, and um. I think, you know, we left KU and we were so entrenched, dead, panic, fish at that point, you know, like, and I always liked hip hop, but we moved to Chicago during, um, like Wilco's summer teeth. Right. Okay. And like I played music in Chicago and a lot of the guys I played with were power pop guys. They were trio guys. They were, um, you know, music from Boston. And I always had, like, I was, I've, I love the Pixies, like love the Pixies just for whatever reason, it made sense to me when I was really young. Yeah. And, um, as part of like these kind of older brothers of music in Chicago, they were like, you haven't done this. You haven't done this. You haven't done this. You haven't done this. And I took, you know, I, I had worked all through college in advertising. Like I, okay. you know, so I moved up there, got my first job, worked for a year and I was already burned out by the time I was 23 and I took a year off. I played bass and bartended Nice. and that jukebox at Go- the Goose Island brewery, you know, okay. like the jukebox was awesome. They make and a tasty so, beer. Yeah, they do make a tasty beer. And it was back when there was one of them. Right. And they just started putting in bottles. Shouts out to Goose Island. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, they it had a great jukebox. And I honestly think some of the stuff that shaped my brain as far as like popular music was probably in that jukebox. Okay. And like, I don't know. It was probably Regatta de Blanc in the jukebox, not Atlantis de L'Amour, but at some point you have to choose almost representative things when you're saying your favorite album. Right, yeah. And that's probably yeah. a representative album in the fact that at it's, any given moment... It's it, a good record, yeah, man. Yeah, it might be It might be Regatta de Blanc. That, Blanc that, like, right. That's the one that I right. have to say. And so, uh, so um, like, uh, I forget how early in the record it is, but pretty early, So Lonely. Yep. And, and that's where I'm like, who the f- this Andy Summers dude has got some fucking chops. Oh, dude, that guy with it. I mean, crisp, uh, tight. Um, that was uh, back in the Also Rans day. That was our in our final song. We would always play. We would tuck into "So Lonely" in the middle of it. This is one of your bands. One of my bands. How when many was, bands have you been in? Uh, quite a few, but like the none of them mattered. You know? Okay. <laughs> like, sure, they very, did. To be very candid, but but, but you mentioned uh, in talking about buying vinyl. Uh, listen to the records that I buy and play the guitars that I buy. You, so you still play? I still play. Do you yeah. do you gig with anybody? Not anymore. Um, interestingly enough, uh, part of the whole accident thing is it's hard to play loud. Um, and so I was, I mean, last year I studied jazz at UMKC, and I don't even like jazz, <laughs> but it just you know it's a reason to a reason to engage with the instrument in a way that I'm not 
sure. comfortable engaging sure. with it, which I thought was really, really interesting. Yeah. Um, so I, I still play, and there's a moment where maybe I'll figure out how to do it. And my, my middle kid, my oldest son, is now really getting into music. Okay. And so that may be another sure. means for me to engage. But Well, I always talk about, I've talked a couple times on here about a pipe dream. You know, if I were, um, you know, if all of my uh, time was just all of a sudden freed up yeah. and I had like unlimited resources, I think that I would like spend a, I don't know, a decade just researching Blue Note. Okay. And uh, everything that they ever put out, yep. and I mean, I just like so that's that's the flavor of jazz where I'm like, all right, you're 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 better than me. That's what? like Wilkie. It's like one of those things where like I you know it's all jazz, and I always wanted to be a dude who loved it more than I do. But but no, I mean yeah. like there's uh to me the, the a lot, and I mean. I've heard an eyelash worth yeah. of what Blue Note put out over the years, but a lot of it uh, has got like a. When it got later, it got it got weird. Well, but for a chunk, I mean, a lot of it's really groovy. Yep. And um, the cover art you got, and I'm talking CDs, um, yep. but you've got like basically a, a still of like a live, mm-hmm. and, and you've got like you know. Uh, Dan Gedman's name, Blair Johnson, and uh, Seth Gilman, and it's like whoever's record it is, maybe their name Slightly is like, yeah. yeah, and it's yeah. just I, and 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 then the, uh, Whitehead did an episode and he talked about um, you know jazz being this thing where you know each person has kind of you just kind of doing your thing and yep. then and then you get a little moment where you take your thing out which i, lo- but, I love but you're still form. part yeah. of the thing yeah. and then you got to bring it back in and now everybody's here and then another you know, yep. it's just fascinating i don't love i love the concept of jazz i love i'm in the same boat and i love i love the form but at some point like i lose like when i lose the melody i i also like three minute pop songs right. and so it's yeah. it's hard and it's like where you get into like and it's funny because you listen to a lot of fish, you listen to a lot of dead. We've all done that. I was always a guy who fast forwarded through drums and space when oh, it was God. on tape. I don't ever, yeah, ever. Where, where I like, you know, when you're at the show, it's fun. No, not, e- not even that. Not yeah. for me. Well, that's when you go pee? A hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. And um, I also, you know, I, th- I think that there's a lens through which you can appreciate space yeah. sober. And I think there's a lens through which space does something for you if you're not yeah um generally i'm i can't really find i don't really you know when you're driving your car you're never in the the headspace that you could appreciate drums and and i just you know like i don't i think there's something state dependent to it maybe is what it is is where you've done it enough that i I haven't even done like even oh no i'm just talking about you've appreciated drums and space enough and i'm I'm saying i haven't even done that like Like, i I don't have a couple times i was like that's pretty cool yeah and then once I had that, that's pretty cool. I got it. I don't want to hear it anymore. I want to hear, you know. Uh, so when you go to a fish show, though, are you a 10-song set dude or are you a four-song set, 45-minute long Ruby Waves dude? Zero expectations. But, like, what – you're a smart fan because then you'd never be let down. But, like, are you into a 45-minute Ruby Waves? Uh, I mean, it's – okay, so um, – I'm actually getting on a plane Thursday morning to go see Three Nights in Atlantic City. Oh, awesome. Okay. Um, and uh, I'm doing that because uh, I've seen the 10 straight years 
without co- you know yeah. COVID removed of their uh, Commerce City Labor Day weekend okay. run. Yeah, um, and which are always awesome. They are. Yeah. They are. I got every year though the bots have made it harder and harder, and I got shut out. Me and my buddy got shut out all the ways possible. Really, this year, and um, and they added a fourth night. Uh, and so, so, this, so here's this thing, um, uh, Dicks, which is where the Rapids yeah, yeah. play. When my buddy lived here, we would drive out and we'd camp. Yep. Because there's three public soccer fields, and you just oh. literally walk in. That'd be fun. Yeah. And then he moved to Charleston, okay. so now we're fl- we fly and okay. we'll ha- stay with a friend or have yeah. a hotel or whatever. But it was always this: like you got GA floor and you got GA stands, and it was always like we're shooting for GA floor because we want to yeah. be down there. And, you know, it worked a couple times, but then it's like, um, you know, we got, we got to do something like handing off stubs or yeah, sliding man. off a wristband. So last year I wound up with GA floor and he wound up with stands. And I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't want to be down there. It's too much, yeah. uh, to, to get, first of all, up there yeah. and now you get your spot, right? Okay, my spot's okay. It's whatever. But it's, you know, going through the sea, swimming upstream to get to the beer vendor at the back. Yeah. And if you got to pee, which I'm good for two a set. Two a set, yeah. You got to go, you got to get to the edge and you got to go up. We're getting old. So, so, so we literally, I was like, fuck it, let's just sit in the stands. So we got not only last row in the stands, but aisle. So restroom and bar. I'm not even kidding you, dude. And so, like, after night one, I was like, never again. This is what I'm going to do from now on. Because it's the, the, the I mean, uh, it was funny. We went to Rogers last year um, in Arkansas the, where they kicked the tour off. Oh, and, who's we? Uh, me and a uh, couple. I mean, do you know Wyatt Cobb? Mm-mm. He's way, way younger than Mm-mm. us. He was my sister's uh, buddy um, and a dude named Ryan Cook. But So we went down there for that, and um, I, I was skeeved out by COVID a little bit still. Yeah. And so that was the other thing is when you were, because I ended up doing the same thing. We had floor and I ended up up in the seats and it was a tiny place. I mean, Rogers was 8,000 people. So yeah. it was already super yeah. intimate, but like I didn't need to be like, you know, I remember going to like, because we went to a lot of these bands when they were so, they were still playing small places where you could go and like, I want to get early and I want to be in front of, I want to be on the school side of a white <laughs> panic show or something. And like, you, Wait did, a little, little, yeah, little. you did that for, you did that for years. And then at some point you're like, dude, I don't want to, I don't want to be that close. I don't want to do this. I don't want yeah. like to be, I don't know. Well, we've gotten old. So, um, the point in telling you all that is that uh, it took me it took me some time to get there, uh, but I learned that uh, it's it's not about the set, it's not about the run, it's not about the jams, it's about the whole thing. It's yeah. about leaving your house to get to the airport and hanging with your buddy. Yep. And all so like you know there was and and the other the other piece, man. Like I, I don't want to stand the whole time. Yeah. And so I got a chair. I'm not on the floor just. Yeah, stuff, compressed. Yeah. You know, by by set break night three, my feet are just yeah. Anyway, um, so like there was, you know, there was a, a good pocket of night one where I was like, oh, they they found it, yeah. you know, and yeah. I, I was like, this is what it's all about. Yeah. It's always the case. Uh, and I we ran into this dude right. He's from Chicago. I've okay. got him in my phone. Um, and say, oh, you're from Kansas. So we're doing that whole thing, yeah. and it turns out he knows uh, Brenna Sweeney. 
Okay. Who has, she was in my sister's class. She had maybe a twin, two, two girls anyway. Um, he's like, I know this, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so he, uh, you know, he was, he was sitting, he just kind of showed up and was sitting in front of us, mm-hmm. but then him and his crew, like, they, so they were there, they were all geeked out because, uh, they had gotten an, a ride from an Uber driver and they were talking so much about the show and the band that the Uber driver's like, I got, you know, it's like a, an Hispanic, like older than us yeah. dude. And they're like, yeah, come with us. So they end up bringing him to the show. Oh, that's awesome! And and somebody was way overserved before first set started, so that kind of became their deal. It's like, yeah, where hey, good, good to meet you. Swap, pick, take a picture, and then they're off, right? Mm-hmm. So there was a good pocket first night. There was a good pocket second night, and then third night, I'm just kind of chilling off to the side, you know, not I'm I'm up I'm on the concourse, but my my seats are right there. I'm just kind of, and all of a sudden that dude. He's like, yo. And then he, so he had sent my picture to her. Yeah. Do you know this? And he, by that time he'd forgotten my name. Yeah. So he, he, do you know this guy? And she's like, oh my God, that's Blair Johnson. Yeah. Da, da, da. And so we had, you know, and so we're talking and, and, you know, I'm, I'm hearing what they're playing and, you know, our conversation kind of dwindled down a little bit and then he kind of went his separate way and just sort of right then they kind of, they found it and they got into it for a second and it was, you know, it lasted for a little bit and, Second set, I wasn't really, you know, looking forward or listening. By that point, I'm like, I'm ready for a late dinner and to crawl into my hotel room bed. And and so... We're not wired for three nights anymore. It's it's much harder. Like, you know, back when when you could keep it rolling, (laughs) it was a little different deal. (laughs) Inside your fuego. Um, It's interesting because I've always, even accidentally, like when we were... I still didn't mind when songs went quick and that like some people are just chasing that, like the 20 minutes in the middle. I'm like, I kind of like the part where they sing and there's a melody. And I think jazz hits me the same way where it's like, you know, the, I love the beginning of a jazz song and I like when they bring it back at the end, but when it gets modal and weird, well this, so, so this, this third night, I think it was third night because I think that exchange had just happened with that dude. Do you know pic- picture of nectar that well? Of course, yeah. So yeah. there's a tune on there called uh, Catapult. Uh-huh. Uh It's, I mean, I say tune, yeah. but it's really just some weird sound effects and yeah. this Doctor Rosen Rosen and yeah. Catapult. Yep. Yeah. So they're 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 noodling and all of a sudden they find themselves in Catapult, and and Mike's I Catapult down and there's some yeah. kind of reverberation Ooh, with the lyrics, yeah. and and that's where they found it. And all of a sudden, they're just kind of like a seven to nine minute little groovy kind of little thing. And then they, they start weaving that lyric back in and take it into the next song. And it was like, huh. that was perfect. Yeah. That was absolutely, Great. I don't need a 48 minute, 38 minute Ruby Waves. Yeah. I will say, I enjoyed that <clears throat> Ruby Waves. The Alpine um, Valley one. Yeah. And uh, I, I appreciate uh, the effort that goes into, you know, taking a song like that and making it this whole thing. But I also think, I think there was a, a vibe happening that whole night. You know, yeah. I'm not I'm not staying, sitting here saying that the whole show was fantastic, but I think that like Ruby Waves has the the track length that you point to and you go, oh my god, yeah. it's like a big set of tits, yeah. right? But 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 it was a, a pocket of something bigger. Yeah, they, anyway. they they caught a moment. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what you're thinking about that. 
I it's funny because I find with them of all things because you know you're going through satellite radio or whatever, and that is the hardest band in the world when they're playing. Like you know, because they'll play the the show from the night before. Yeah. Um, and you, if you can catch it at the beginning, then you can ride it. Yeah. But if you pop in in the middle yeah. and you're in the middle of like you know, I mean, even a song that you know you enjoy myself or something that everything you're when they play it that's a highlight you know what i mean like that kind of a deal but if you're seven minutes into it and that's when you turn your car on it's hard to like it's like you need to be takes you a minute to be like i think this is the end oh oh, yeah yeah you're 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 four minutes of you know like you're like so they're (laughs) they're weird that way to me because it's like if i start the set i can ride through a lot of that but if i don't then I need there to be a pause right. so I can start again. Right. And the dead weren't exactly that way because the dead just had stuff you skipped. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know, like where, like to me, it bird was like, song. yeah, I, see, I love birds. Well, it's it. just, but it rambled. Like, bird song. Um, I, uh, I fell in love. So, so high school, uh, you know, I had this, yeah, I'm building from, Grass cutting, babysitting days. I'm okay. I'm riding my bike to Sound Warehouse. Oh yeah, and coming home with a swinging plastic bag full of tapes. Okay, and uh, it was very, no, never, never greatest hits. While secretly buying the occasional greatest yeah. hits, just to see. Yeah. Like, um, before I, I don't even know where I would dive in discography wise, but I got to see if there's if it's worth it. Uh, that and maybe I did. Maybe I got skeletons from the closet via Columbia House or yeah. whatever. We all, I mean, everybody. But what was, a garbage collection! I yeah. hated it. I didn't. <laughs> I was like, I don't understand this at all. So it wasn't until I met some dudes outside of that were outside of um, Wichita. They were from Derby. Okay. I met a dude and like got you know um, working instead in American Beauty, and I was like, oh. Well, and those are those are records. Yeah, like that's the weird thing. About yeah, those. both of those are like they were accidentally great records. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. Like in a in a weird way, because those were that was a collection of songs. Yeah, which but but so so uh, once I got, then I, then I got without a net. Yeah, and there's so many morsels of greatness in there. Yeah, that when they drop into like a Cassidy or a Bird song, I'm like, skip. Like let's give me give me uh smoke. Yeah, I like I, I have uh I have a soft spot for uh I have a soft spot for all of those like. The hookier ones, okay. Where like bird songs really hooky, yeah. Like Althea's hooky. Oh, I love you know, Althea. Like, but that's the, a great Althea. Yeah, Alf, yeah. You know? But the, the it, yeah, it's. I mean, it's funny because I think when you were a freshman at Johnny Mission, he say handed you skeletons for the closet, and you were just like, you have to listen to this for, like it or not, you you must own this. Yeah, and see, I had all, I already I came to skeletons hating casey jones okay and thinking like sugar magnolia there's nothing special about that yeah. you know and then tr- trucking yeah. fucking snooze fest yeah anyway um so you got to get me back on topic I'm, yeah I'm so so jam band, uh, uh wormhole hole in my life uh from that police record uh it's like to me very clearly got some like prog rock punk spice in it summers was summers was ahead on that like I mean, if you if and it's probably because he had a past life mm-hmm. but you know i mean he for four or five years of that band he was that jc 120 chorus sound mm-hmm. where it was like it wasn't it wasn't um like in the 80s it became the 80s yeah he was early yeah and so that was kind of like that was a little bit of that like he i mean I, i've always believed there are guitar players that you can hear when they they 
it doesn't matter what guitar they pick up, what amp they pick up. They sound like Andy Summers is a pretty specific yeah. guitar player, and he's, he's he pretty crisp, clean yeah. tone. You know, like it's it's very likable, yeah. very accessible. Oh, he's, yeah, he's he's he's. I mean, they were they were one of those things that the three of them came together and made something better than the three would, would right. ever do separately. Right. So. Um, controversy amongst the trio for the synchronicity sessions and they recorded all their parts separately yep. and then overdubbed or that's whatever. The, that's that documentary okay. which is fascinating okay. because they went to like um, I think it was the record before that or maybe it was that where they went down to like Jamaica and stuff like that and it was mm-hmm. all weird and they hated each other and they're you know Sting had become bigger than the band right. and they used to be a band and then they weren't and I mean synchronicity is clearly the beginning of the evils that Sting was about to do to the world but the other <laughs> two dudes held it together um but it was it was getting douchey yeah like and there's no element of douchey in Regatta de Blanc or okay. okay. and like it's it was interesting just, it was a band and they yeah. were they were probably the best band in the world at that point, you know. Um, this track called Peanuts, like, I, I, I swear to God. I can't even place what it is. I, well, I, mean, I, I swear to God, in the middle of it, there's an oboe solo. <laughs> I've tried to act. It's funny because I did this list, you know, five weeks ago, and I haven't done any homework. I'm trying to figure out what the hell Peanuts is. That's okay. About it's all right. I just yeah. was like, and, I, and I, I wrote it down because I checked the credits, and there's no oboe, but it sounds like somebody's fucking. Something weird, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that, so, so they go do their thing and Summers, um, recorded a record with Robert Fripp. Have you ever listened to that guy? No, I know Robert Fripp. Right. Yeah. Uh, King Crimson. Yeah. Yeah. I've never, never listened to Fripp, never listened to Crimson, never listened to, uh, what is it? King Gizzard and the Wizard Lizard, whatever that outfit is. Oh, they're new, right? No. Oh, is that old? Yeah. Okay. That's, um, no, that that stuff, uh, that fits in a little bit of that, like it's good but i don't want to listen to it you know well i i think it's, it's funny because you're a rush guy and i've never been a rush guy and like i i like the hits you know like sure. i didn't for a long time there was a point where i would have drawn a line and i would have been an anti-rush guy okay and now i wouldn't i'm wrong you know like yeah there but like john helmer's yeah where you're on the you know the the 57th best rush song no those got a little too much for me no i Crimson uh, felt the same way. i i love 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 the hits yeah and um, I bought Chronicles, yeah. which is a two-parter, and uh, you know, so that's that gives you pretty much all your hits, and then a couple other nuggets in there like La Via Strangiato, yep. which I, I, know, uh, I yeah. heard that, and I was like, get the fuck out! Of it. Yeah. And it's been one of my favorite songs since. Um, but some of that stuff gets uh, King Crimson got zappy. Where uh, well, he, that's the, definitely the. That family tree branch kind of... They're too good. Yeah. Like, and at some point, it comes back to jazz, where, like, just because you can doesn't mean you have to. So, we skip forward seven years to Tim by The Replacements, who I had never listened to. Oh, Um, and and talk about, of all of them, a representative record, because it could have been Let It Be, it could have been Tim, could have frankly been Can't Hardly Wait. I love that band. I love everything that band is, and I love everything that that band did for all the music that we listened to four years later. My first note is Paul Westerberg. Yeah, and absolutely. then do you like his single soundtrack? Tunes? Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're perfect pop. Not to bring Roberts back into this, but I mean, he's. I think there's a camp of folks that would say 
those are the garbage tracks from singles. No, hard no. Well, Perfect and I'm pop. not trying to quote yeah. you know yeah. anybody. I just no, it's it's it fine. Up. But Paul, uh, people, if you hadn't done your homework, you wouldn't have understood why that was included, and in that he was the OG to all that music. Right. You know, like he was the like Chris Cornell listened to the replacements. No shit. Non. Oh no, non-negotiably. They wow. were they were the coolest. They That's were cool. they were the indie band. They were. I mean, I I don't know that Chris Cornell. R.I.P. in peace, Chris Cornell. Yeah, I don't know that you listened to it, but I mean, like they would have had to. That would have been that would have been the band that your cool older brother was playing for you when you were Chris Cornell. You know what I mean? Like, or he would have been. So so this this record takes off and it kind of travels a little way, and then you get to a a song called "Swinging Party." Yep, and it's got like a cool vibe to it. Yeah. It's like definitely different than well, they the... were they were just fuck up they were fuck ups. Okay. They, were, they I mean that's absolutely what they were. They they would go into these ripping songs. Like if you ever um if you dig deep into that band, like they were a mess. Like I mean Oh, I some did somebody get the boot for substance abuse? Well I, I yeah Bob Stinson did. Yes. And, uh, you know, and he like founded it, right? Yeah. 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 No, his, his little brother was in it right. all sorts yeah. of stuff like that. And, you know like but they um they were like, I, I forget what, uh, there's a story about, they have a song called Portland that ended up being, uh, I should know this, it ended up being another song that ended up almost being a hit for them. Oh, funny. But the song's called Portland because it, they had their worst show of all time in Portland where they, you know, they would get blackout drunk, go up and play, and they would play like, you can find recordings of this shit, where they would just play like, a 45 minute version of a buddy Holly song. And then one of them would pass out. And it was, I mean, it was, they, they would go up there and they'd be so hammered. They wouldn't play their own songs. And they were like really, really punk rock combative, but it's really soulful music. Yeah. Like yeah. You know, Paul Westerberg one, I think the dude's a pop genius, you know, okay. like, and I appreciate a pop genius, like really, really do. He's kind of like Tweety, but mm. Tweety's sober. Right. And Paul Westerberg at that point. Now. Well, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yankee Oto Foxtrot. You know, like that was kind of the time when he was, but he wasn't a derelict. No. He had a substance ha- problem. Have you ever tried to play a guitar hammered? Oh, I'm terrible. I mean, I don't, yeah. I mean, I've, I don't I've, even know if I could play a C. I played, you know, I played a lot of shows and I played some shows when I was too drunk and it was too drunk isn't like blackout or hammered. Yeah, like, I, I don't, don't, I'm trying to think. Your rhythm's got to be off. Oh, it's yeah. You're you, and finding you, strings and fr- and you're going for it, but you look like a dickhead. It it isn't. I mean, even even drunk, like you know, when I played guitar in bands, you could hide. Sure. But when you were the singer, there hit a point where, like, I you know, there's just a professionalism about making sure that if I made, I don't care if there's eight people there, but I know three of them. If I made you leave your house. I got to be professional enough to perform. Right. They did not subscribe okay. to that in the replacements. Okay. Um, but they have, they just hit moments and nuggets in songs that were, I mean, like when they were good, they were beautiful. And it's such a weird thing for a punk rock band. Yeah. Like the clash weren't beautiful very often. You know what I mean? They were awesome. They, and they, they were hit strokes, strokes yeah. of beauty. Yeah. But they, but that wasn't that it like the replacements had moments of like, of, Beetle, you know who else did that? Weirdly enough, was Nirvana. Mm-hmm. Like they had that moment, like where they'd hit pop, and you were like, "Dude, that's that's a, like back to Paul McCartney." You know, like it's like the shit that that guy can do when he's sleeping. Only five hundred people in the world have ever been able to do, and Paul Westerberg is one of, and Kurt Cobain was one sure. of those dudes who yeah. could do that too. Where it was like, find that pop beauty in the middle of the chaos of what the replacements were. Well, I mean, something in the way. 
yeah is always uh like what like in in the context of nevermind yeah right oh, absolutely and, and i i totally embrace it i love it and oh, it's, i'm probably in the minority no, saying it's that perfect like it's but that record so about well i i can tell you when it was it was whenever nevermind turned 20 we meet do you know chip knighton yeah knighton and i and then um drummer for my old band and then the guy who was working at my place as a composer we played Nevermind uh backwards on its 20th anniversary at uh because you, you can't do teen spirit first right like or and you can't do something the way right but um we played backwards so i had to learn that record and like that record's brilliant i mean like brilliant 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 like i don't know that you know I would tell you that probably ninety one. I would. I was a bigger Pearl Jam fan. I was probably a bigger Soundgarden fan. Sure. Like I don't think because it got so big and we were in that like angsty indie phase of our lives. You're like, oh, it's bullshit. You know that kind of thing. When I dug back into that, this like his pop and his um, craft was remarkable. Yeah. Like remarkable, yeah. remarkable. You know. And and Dave, you forget about Dave Grohl because I'm not a big Foo guy, but like I'm not either. But but I have mad respect for him. Yeah, absolutely. And and what he what he brought to Nevermind, like where his voice landed on that thing was so critical to that record that with what it was it, Chad Chamberlain or whoever the drummer was before that, it might, I may be wrong. It doesn't matter. I'm here asking the wrong yeah, guy. It doesn't matter. But that record isn't the same without the three of them. Right. You know, a different drummer, like you can put a different drummer in Pearl Jam and they're still Pearl Jam. Yeah. But you can't put, their old drummer no it, because it's it's half a bleach yeah you know it's different it's, yeah it's it loses the it loses again and maybe there's something that we're finding but there's a sweetness to it that i think along with your angst is magic it's the pixies dichotomy thing yeah where it was there's yeah there's there's pretty and angry and i think that's so like like so nice to to what music can be yeah you know i don't know um Lay it down, clown. Like hints of rockabilly. Yeah, they're just they're, kind of seeping out. Again, like, they're just dicks. Like, <laughs> that's, that's the funny thing, and the hard thing about all of them is that probably if there was ever a greatest hits band in the history of the world, the replacements would probably have the greatest greatest hits. Okay, for me, of any band because they. I mean, if you I, I forget what record it is one with starts with O I O U. Um, it would have been the second record. I'm not going to come up with the name of it right now. Um, but they have a song called Buck Hill, which is a ski resort outside of Minneapolis. Like they just okay. were constantly like, that's their, that's their spot, right? It's where they're, they're, yeah, they're Minneapolis yeah. folks. Yeah. But it, it, they just felt like a band who didn't do their fucking homework right. and occasionally we're making a record. Like we got to throw, you know, swinging party on here. So, yeah. yeah. Like, so this is, this is record four of six for them. Are is you, that where it was? Yeah. And you're like, let it be would be three. Then. You're familiar with all six. Um, I'm not great with. Uh, sorry, Ma, I forgot to take out the trash. Okay. There's a late one that I don't know super well. Okay. But um, Hoot Nanny is what Buck Hill's on, and so like I probably haven't studied them. Sure. I've just listened to it both passively and actively. Well, how did they land in your lap in the first place? Probably back in that same Chicago. Okay. Period where they, okay. they're they're a Mount Rushmore band to pop people. Um, this is, you, you might say I'm crazy for this. I, I, I sat with this for a minute and tried to make more sense out of it than what I wrote down. Okay. Uh, here comes a regular. Yep. The way that it opens, like I just kept getting November rain with tiny hints of patience. Like I was like, that's but, not right. That's by not the right. Way, you know that, uh, you know that Tommy Stinson, 
played with Guns N' Roses no. for 15 years. No. Yeah. Like when Guns N' Roses came back through the replacements bass player was uh, was on stage. Wow. So Tommy's... Funny. I don't... That probably tells you that Axel was listening to the replacements. You know, if he's going to bring... Maybe, yeah. Know. Yeah. But they're... They, again, we're five years too young okay. for that to have been our band. Right. Like we were nine when they were like it would have had yeah. we were almost too, they're almost too young for that to even be the older brothers band. Yeah. But they're kind of in that like R.E.M. was the obvious, you know, early Second cousin. Yeah. Early. Indie, uncle. Yeah. yeah. Er, early indie rock. But R.E.M. was together and they were they were all pretty with a little bit of edge. They dropped out of college. Yeah. They're like we're going to this band thing looks like it, it might take us somewhere. And the replacements like Tommy Stinson, the guy who ended up playing with was 14 or 15 wow. at the early part of that band. Like they were, they were literally derelicts, yeah. you know, just dipshits that couldn't do anything else, and they ended up being the replacements. But Axl Rose listened to the replacements. It would have been sure he would have had to yeah. have because they were they were the. I'm trying to think of what even who we had as in our era, but they were probably they were just one of the bands like you had to do your homework yeah. on. When I when I was reading up on Fables. Uh, so they drop out and they go on tour and their manager is driving them around in this van and yep. they have a $2 a day uh, per diem food, food budget. Food. Yeah. Like, yeah. Fuck. And that's, I would, I would tell you the replacements would have spent that on Everclear just to right. go further. So, <laughs> uh, I don't know why, like this is the, maybe the lone lyric that stuck out uh, in the whole record, but it's from, I think it's from here comes a regular. You're like a picture on a fridge, not stocked with food. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, it's a heartbreaking song. Yeah, you know, what I mean, like it's just that uh, different record. But they have a song called "Answering Machine," and there's these, like there are these instantaneous metaphors. Like here comes a regular. Like you're waiting. You know, you're the guy who's been working up a meme and thirst, doing nothing at all. Like yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, it's such a like. Uh, there's a talent in putting you in a chair, and they were really, really good at setting you in that chair. You know what that bar looks like. It yeah. looks like Louise's downtown before they re- renovated it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like I've been in that bar. I've been in that bar in the day, and it's not a great place to be <laughs> too much. So we have another seven-year leap, and we land in 92 with Copper Blue by Ooh. Sugar. Ooh. And I was like, you know, uh, obviously I figured it out, but like yeah. first glance, I'm like, which one's the record title? Which one's the band? I mean, that's how... Man, that wasn't a record for you? I've never heard of these Oh, dude, uh, Matt Smith and I will go to the, I go to the mat this on that. whole, a lot of your list kind of, I can like smell Matt Smith's cologne, yeah, you know, yeah, kind of. Yeah. No, uh, that's that's Bob Mould. That's I, Husker I, Du. Bob yeah. Mould. Yeah. Who's Husker yeah, Du? Who's like, uh, Two full-length records, and that was it. They yep. did uh, uh, an EP, a compilation, and a live album. Um, how these guys hit your radar? Sugar? Yeah, they were they were on MTV. Like they okay. were they were. Okay. Uh, I mean, in, in a weird way, that was a band. The replacements I went back to in two thousand. Sugar was a contemporary. Like I okay. was I was seventeen, eighteen, and th- it's weird because the original pressing of that, like I have that CD, is awful. It's really sizzly, like over, like really hot. Um, wow, like they were potted up too high. Yeah, in I, certain areas. You know what? It was just treble. Um, okay. It was overly compressed, and it was you know Bob Mould's another guy who's frankly, in my opinion, a genius. I like, mean, he's always he. For, uh, somebody did a uh, last year's model. Yeah, Elvis Costello and the what was the band's name? 
the attractions the, or, yeah yes. or the other one yeah no it was the attractions yeah. and i think it was like elvis records and then he had that band yeah. for that record and it was kind of just always this name yeah he was for a minute he i I can picture he he all of a sudden he was on mtv and he was like real close to the camera yeah veronica okay okay and that that's it you know bob mold i don't even have that i just have no his name bob mold is uh i mean he's a i saw him in the last couple of years i mean he's still great and he's so unbelievably loud like he's that was their whole deal is they were like husker husker dude was so loud where bob mold is so loud okay um, that was, uh, he had, uh, oh my God, I'm not going to come up with it because he put out an unbelievably good solo record before, um, because it was workbook. Okay. It was Bob Mould. And then because, uh, Westerberg had Besterberg, which always made me laugh, which <laughs> just such a great name anyway. But they kind he kind of had that, what teed up sugar and that sugar copper blues, like a magical pop record. Okay. You know, I mean, it really is. It's, uh, vocally, it's not the Beach Boys, but it's, uh, it's super like, it's super like. I thought you said this was Pet Sounds. Yeah. It's super tight. Right. Like, in super like, uh, just, it, it was a moment where a guy who had been doing something, because, you know, Husker Du started as a hardcore band. They were, how fast can you play? That's, that's all I know them as. Yeah. And, and, you know, by Zen Arcade, they had, loosened up a little bit and Zen Arcade was interesting but it's still not and then Sugar's just a perfectly accessible pop record sure. in the middle of grunge yeah and yeah you can right tell there they, yeah, right there oh, it's in the middle of I it. mean yeah and you could tell they gave him too much leeway when it came to the production of the record because it wasn't produced like the remasters are really good like I bought the remastered record because I hated the do you have free license to spend as you will on vinyl etc when it comes to the wife and budget oh, yeah, I don't I mean I, I I I we're not that's not the way our marriage okay. works you know uh, like, I mean yeah. it's no no I mean you know you've I've, found you've we, as we have ta- a, we have a rhythm yeah cool, yeah, cool. I, I would never take advantage of that but like right that that isn't you're not buying cars without telling her no no god no and nor do i have any interest in buying cars right right or something of comparable value um again man i I struggle for words to put these you know take these thoughts and put them into phraseology but there's a there's a rolling intro bass roll on a good idea okay that just like it it feels familiar in like an era or an age kind of way and it's like uh I don't know. I don't even know what that was really cool. I really like I can't I would never be able to separate anything on that record other than it being on that record because okay. probably what Well that's what I mean. It's yeah. like this feels like it's I it's familiar, but I can't I quite can't, like I can't believe that you didn't os- like get that record through osmosis just by hanging out like when you would come through Lawrence in like I feel like we wore that record out I for mean, years. W- well, uh, you know, I would I would really only come back for Thanksgiving and Christmas and I would work. Okay. I would go to Hen okay. House and get I would Shifts. just fill my okay. whole yeah. Okay. So Cause, you because wor- I'm not I'm working full time to pay my yeah. way, and so if I leave, yeah, I come back and I don't have January rent. Yeah, so okay. anyway, you were doing a different thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then helpless, poppier start to it. Yep. Um, well, and you got Hoover Dam, who, which is I, the vo- poppiest song it, in the world. You know, uh, the vocals s- sound like I looked to see if it was somebody different singing. Yep. 
and it's, no, no. Uh, but there, and then there's there's some cool synth. Yep. Ri- yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, the slim kind of like an anthem feel yeah. to it, uh, which I, th- I thought was a really strong cut. Um, and then if I can't change your mind, I, I was like, I feel like we're right back in Paul Westerberg. Yeah, land. It's, it's 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 a Buddy Holly song. Okay, you know, like, okay, I, like it, it that it's you know you can if you vaguely know how to t- play the guitar you know where to put your fingers on that song okay. without, you know like it's one of those songs it's so uh, but i i uh like you don't make mixtapes anymore because we don't have tapes but like that song still sneaks its way onto playlists all the time nice. of mine where nice. it's just such a like it's like musical banaka to me where oh, it's just such look a at like that. yeah it's, banaka you know what i mean like, uh, it's like, yeah. yeah yeah uh slick okay Dif- yeah different tempo little, little cleaner little, yeah uh and it's like this kind of this tease of the power ballad goes electric. Yeah. Uh, just so like, it's a whole lot of different. Yeah. I'm trying, similar. I'm trying to like, if you played the first three notes, it would, that, you know, I real I realized that there are a lot of people that are like, I don't know song titles. Yeah. That's, so this, I don't at all. This like, is I don't str- know names. Yeah. I don't know song titles, but I'm like, um, but I also don't want to like, you know, um, my sister, um, you know, by the time I guess we're, seniors and she's a freshman or maybe we're freshmen in college. She's, yeah. she's built, she's built, she's got a fat case logic. Right. Yeah. And you know, she's got, um, avenues that are her thing. And there's a few, we cross a yeah. few, in a few. And if we would ever wind up talking about a record, she'd be like, you mean track five? You'd be like, Oh my God, I don't fucking, yeah, you don't know track. See, I'm better cause, with track. Cause, cause yeah. I'm, I'm cassette. cassette I'm still... I was, I was a Honda prelude with a, with a like go to five. <laughs> yeah. Go to six. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, okay. So, uh, now we're going to move one year forward and, um, this is, this is a somewhat touchy, it's not really touchy, but, um, Midnight Marauders. Okay. Tribe called Quest. Okay. Um, I've always like, the the best way for me to distill this is to say that stakes is high. Okay. It's like same day. What? Same day. Same day. They came out on the same day. Bullshit. I believe so. No way. Yeah, I, I bought them. I know I bought them on the okay. same day. Okay. Okay. Because I was on a, a Tuesday. Oh yeah, at midnight at Monday. Yeah. Nice. You know, but I was a, I was a daylight guy before, other than more than a tribe guy back then. I I, yeah. I and I so I've I've waved this flag saying that yeah. I still am, but I really I really owe both discographies another visit yeah, to make it's sure. Yeah, hard to revisit the. Well, I, you got the tapes over I there. I do. Okay. I do. Um, I remember for sure. Um, you know, p- people's balloon mind state was the same day. Stakes as high was the next record. It was balloon mind state that was the the same day as Midnight Which, Rodgers, which, which uh, I think is the most is, underrated hip hop album a, of all it's time. It's a great record, yeah. especially if you stack it up next to De La Soul is Dead, which yep, was which not, was a turd. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but don't I mean it's a sacred cow, man. Don't yeah, mean, I can. Um, so like, I definitely like. Okay, so we had uh, people's. Instinctive, instinctive travel beats, the rhythm, yeah, path, whatever. And, and then low in theory which again this becomes representative a little bit because on any given day i might have said low end theory but it just happened to be that in the moment of my life that record i ended up because i th- i love tribe like love them love love i love de la and it could have very yeah. well been i could have had three feet high and rising on here but great record you know beyond you know um but wait so did <laughs> Was it Balloon Mind State that had the 
or it might be stakes high. I think it's blue and mind state. There's a track where it, it opens and they're all just screaming. Yeah. <laughs> That's blue and mind state. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, Eye patch. Yeah, yeah. 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 Nice. There we go. So I, I put on Midnight Marauders and I was like, I kind of, kind of expecting this in the grand tribe de law scheme for this to be a little bit of a dud and it starts rolling and i'm like this is feeling very familiar very yeah. comfortable um then you hit steely dan what dude i uh steely dan oh dude that holy crap that's steel soul that's i know sorry i, um, I uh, they have there's a sample on that record somewhere where it's like uh um Shoot, I'm gonna have to look it up on my phone right now. You're 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 about to tell me what it is, but there is a, a track on um on um the tribe record where it really takes a turn and feels sure significantly more musical. I'm, I'm not I'm I, I think I know what you're talking about, yeah. but award tour yeah is uh, t- track two yeah and uh, like two notes and I was like oh this is it evolved this is the yeah. tribe. This is to, for me. This is kind of the token tribe feel. Yeah. Like, n- no disrespect to people's instinctive or low end, but this is what this is tribe. For Whatever. Me. Steve Biko and that are the moment where they hit their. That was their stride. Okay. Like that was that was the like. It's the middle of their career too. It's like literally like that. It's, I think it's three of six. Yeah. It's and I think those two are the peak of Tribe Mountain. Those okay. Two tracks okay. in a weird way. Yeah. Uh, we can get down. Yeah. You really get not, you know for for a group that's basically a two dude front with a DJ and a rapper. Yeah. Right. And it, Q, it's Q Tip. I mean, that's the hard part. Is it's two dudes rapping, but Q Tip's. This is back when they Q Tip produced the record. I, I, so know, that's magic, I know, I you know, but like if you if you uh, not not everybody goes there in the in the in the album credits, right? Yeah. Not everybody's looking at engineers and producers. Yeah, you're looking at the lyricists, and but it's the difference between hip hop in 2000 and hip hop in 1993 is that you had a common like it's the Kanye uh, the Kanye um, Jay Z album where they wouldn't record if the other dude wasn't in the same room. Okay, and it's the difference between a band and a rap album is that the band does it together except right. for the police on the fifth record. It, um, and that's that well played. Yeah. That was, but that was the, that's what that was to me is that was back when they, we were talking, I mean, we started with albums versus songs. That's an album. Yeah. You know, well, even by, even by the next record. And, 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 you know, I'm not listening to this until like 97, 98. Yeah. This is a 93 record. And so I don't have a lot. I got, you know, it's on, but I'm pulling bong rips and playing video yeah, hockey yeah, with yeah. my roommate. And so I've got like, I recognize, Oh, that's a Q-tip tends to get more. He has more of a vocal presence. Yeah. Like his more lines, more bars, more, whatever yeah. you want to say, but five, but five hits, but he yeah. does. And so it becomes, all right, there's two dudes yeah. kind of and so that's it. I'm not thinking, Oh, this guy's producing the record and this guy, Oh, it, it, it took until 20, 10 right I, because there was a moment where you're looking at it and you're like why don't hip-hop albums sound like the chronic anymore and i lived in that hip-hop world for so long and i watched them get constructed at some point in that year you know we have one from this producer three from this producer two from this producer and you watched albums being made with no sense of the cohesion that i loved right out of music right and that's what some of those magic you know is even we're gonna hit illmatic on here mm-hmm. and illmatic was produced largely by three or four different people, but they were all from like 
they might as well have been staying in the same apartment building. I mean, Q Tip's part of that mix. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah, it, but a large professor, you know, those yeah, guys, yeah. like, they were such, it was such a, like, it was a camp. Yeah. And it was so New York. Yeah. And, like, yeah. whereas, it's, you know, East tech, Coast, but it's yeah. New York. As a, as a Tech Nine record, it's very, you know, like, he has a West Coast guy. He has the dude that works in his building that does half of them. He, they're chasing a beat down from somebody who's hot and Germany, you know, this kind of thing. And they're trying, you know, they're trying to gather these singles. Yeah. Whereas Tribe Called Quest, I mean, they have, remember when hip hop albums used to all have like a weird narrative flow through them? Yeah. They have the narrative flow it's of that. A, the, yeah, it's a, it's seven a secretary. Times out of 10. It's yeah. a secretary yeah. that worked somewhat. Uh, yeah. Um, was it this? I think it was this one. Yeah, I think it was this one where uh, Q-Tip had a key to Five Dogs' grandma's house, and he was doing it all in the basement. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, That's, that makes I just, sense. I, I stumbled across. Yeah. I got lucky. Because they, they used to make that. If you ever do a little like some of the homework, they used to do like pause tapes and shit where they okay. were before they were producing, and they had like they used to literally have dubbing decks, and they would the way what's his face. Um, the the cat in New York in 1979 that we all know, but I'm not going to come up with his name. But the way he figured out how to manipulate a record, Q-Tip figured out how to manipulate a cassette deck. Oh, nice. Yeah, where he was like, he was making loops on cassettes. Smart. And that's how he started yeah. making beats. And it's like such a weird, like, that's well, pretty cool. Well, point is, um, like, I'm, you know, in that basic preliminary understanding, you got two voices and and I know there's a rapper and I know there's a DJ, yeah. but I don't, you know, I, at the time I couldn't really tell you their names. Um, and, and so this, tra- we can get down, you really get, he gets a couple of little showcase moments where he's, you know, he's scratching yeah. and he's w- working the mixer and it's like, I wonder, I wonder if that was even, if that was even the DJ. I want, it could be, could have been Q-Tip. Could have been. I mean, the I, way you produce hip hop records, I you mean, know, it's such a weird deal. Like with... R.I.P. in peace to Fife Dog. Yeah. Like I don't want to keep giving Q-Tip credit that he doesn't necessarily yeah. deserve. Okay. Uh, well, electric relaxation. That's the uh, that was the that was the track that I was. Uh, I, it, so so yeah. so like I had this kind of weird little you know where they see the black cat in the Matrix yeah. and it's a deja vu kind of thing. The, like for for a second I was like, wait, am I listening to Diggable Planets? And oh. then I, and then I was like, oh, that's ridiculous. And then an, another quick second, I'm like, there's. Not not wholly, but there's layers from both that at, oh, at that sure. the moment kind of feel. But it was bit. that was that you know it's funny because that record of all of them, like probably represent not only Tribe Called Quest but it represents De La Soul. It represents an era, Soul's a mischief, yeah. an era yeah. of music that all like to me was super. Um, it, that was a moment for me, right? Like you know, and that was talk about what doesn't smell like Matt Smith all the time. <laughs> like that was where, where we were different. Like I loved that stuff. And I went, you know, I used to go see Tribe Called Quest and De La Soul nice. all the time. And I wow. used, used to see the Fugees all the time, like weird shit like that, you wow. know, where that you go to Lawrence and we would be, I would clearly be one of four white we're, guys. We're, s- we're still owed part three of AOI, right? What do you mean? Uh, you lost me. Um, artificial intelligence. Oh, yeah. Uh, AOI and then AOI Bionics, and there was okay. supposed to be a third, and we we never got really? it. Yeah, huh. yeah. Um, so so war tour, we can get down electric relaxation. Um, which write write those down. It's no, I'm not trying to snub the other tracks, but electric it, relaxation is 
in my opinion, an all-time hip-hop song. It's fucking... Like an all time, And that that was the old... Remember the theme song of the Wayans Brothers show? Did you ever see that? Uh, Wayans Brothers? No. Oh, that's... No. Yeah, it's... Okay. Like, yeah, it was, so, so those three tracks are great, but I, I, I... You could make... It might be a weak argument, but I think you could make an argument for saying, Oh My God is the strongest track on the record. Just because, like, you talk got, about your boy Fife. That's that's a Fife. That's a, a like that's Fife. Like, and Busta Rhymes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, and there's there's a horn sample, um, and I mean, it's that's, it, it's interesting. I would I, my my plane would not have landed there. Um, I mean, it's an awesome track. And that, well, because those others, yeah. you know, War Two, we can get down. You kind of you, yeah. you got this feel, and then this one, yeah. Kind of takes you down that same, and then just starts yeah, just punching. Hammers you. Yeah, I mean, scenario, one record before last, like that might be the a, that might be the moment that might be the high watermark of that hip hop, like of New York hip hop. Right. You know, th- there's an argument <laughs> that that or like Buddy or one of those, you know, uh, would have been like that might be the greatest crew record of all time. Yeah, you know, and, and anything after that, like that's because we're you know, we're before, are we, no, we're probably concurrent with like the Chronic and we're in the friendly East Coast, West Coast rivalry. Yeah, Chronic, Chronic's 92, yeah, this so, is 93. Yeah, so we're, right? we're, we're to the point where like, we're doing different things. Yeah. And it was cool because the Chronic found, I, I always thought he kind of stole some of the musicality from the New York stuff, but he stole it in a West Coast way. Fighting words. Well, dude, I, I mean, think about the Chronic versus NWA. NWA was rap nwa was like new york rap it was like cool modi it was you know it was you know it was 808s and shit and then the chronic comes out and that's a george clinton cool modi i've always put cool modi and and big daddy kane in the same camp of um uh not like they have the skill but they're not quite as aggressive and for the most part they're clean right yeah i that's i mean cool modi knowledge is king yeah who's going to see the doctor i don't know uh um, the I don't know. Um, uh, I think, I, and again, I I get weird by some people focus on lyrics, and I tend to tend to focus on music and feel. Yep, and it's like a lot of that stuff. A lot of the New York stuff, you know, EPMD, it hit. You know, and like, like the Chronic was behind. Yeah, a lot of you know, it's like it's uh, it's jazz and funk versus punk rock. Yeah, and so that stuff had that like energy and the hit of that like it was agitating intentionally, mm-hmm. whereas the chronic was groovy. Mm-hmm. You know, De La Soul, G- was, yeah, De La Soul was groovy. Yeah, you know, and it was so it's such a weird like, you know, I I would not be the guy to go through the the arc like the the chronicles of hip hop with there's somebody who's going to be vastly more educated. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, but there's same, but it's one of those things where there's there was a feel, and I liked the way I liked the way that feel worked. East and West at that point. I was definitively an East guy at that point. Oh, wow. Okay. But then, like, I'm probably more of a Tupac guy than a Biggie guy, weirdly. A uh, thousand percent. But at the same time, I liked all of, I liked all of Tribe Chronic, that era of hip hop yeah. way better anyway. Yeah. Like, I was kind of over it. Yeah. And I took, I took probably a eight, ten year break from hip hop where I would like, you know, I'd find a Jurassic 5 record or something that I'd like, but it just... The, when it, when and I now find Ludacris charming, but like when it w- went from you know Tribe Called Quest to Ludacris, 
I was out. Yeah. You know, I was listening to Wilco, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so we're going to take another one-year okay. leap, and this is where we land on Illmatic. Okay. Um, I didn't even know who Nas was okay. before uh, episode three okay. of this. And so this came up as well? It was written. He okay. chose it was written. Okay. The guy, the dude did. Okay. Um, and I was like, is that the same? Is that fucking uh, Lil Nas X? Is that what yeah. you mean? You know, no, no. Yeah. Uh, and strangely, um, I, I recorded episode three right around the same time as Ozark wrapped up. Did, oh yeah, did they, you... they, had the, that, they had that whole thing about how Yo. it's the it's the what was it? It's like it's the time. It's like the the sound of something you haven't lived, but you're there. And like that's the magic of that record is there is very little. We were talking about here comes a regular, and you're in the bar seat, like you are in. Was he? Bedsty. I mean, he. I forget where where that whole thing is. I I know where it, I can see the building where Nas was, but I can't remember which project it was. Um, but like, you you're there. You're on a corner that it, like in we're we're not supposed to be on that corner. No, you know, no, like yeah. But it's such a like. There's so much like intense vibe to that record and like a moment and a presence that I think is. I I think that. I think it's a remarkable piece of art. So, so you did watch Ozark? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, so yeah. it, what what Ruth is listening to? Spoiler alert: is New York State of Mind, right? Yeah, yeah. And and who she runs into in the cafe is uh, wasn't it like it was like no Guru's dead, but it, who was it? It was old Killer Mike. Killer Mike. Yeah, she bought, runs, are, yeah. Are you? I um, I just keep hearing his name. I've never. Oh, dude, uh, rap music's an unbelievably good record. Uh, yeah, I love Killer Mike. Okay. I mean, um, I keep hearing that not only is he badass, but he's also a really cool dude. Very intelligent. Rap uh, music? Yeah, R period, A period, P. But he's run the jewels. Right. Yeah, and so yes. he's... he's um, Dungeon Family, like, I don't know if an Outcast record made it on here, but probably should have for me. Okay. Um he was. He came up with the, with the Outcast guys. He was that second wave of Atlanta. Okay, kids. okay. And he's really become more famous as a 40 year old than he was as a kid right being part of the dungeon yeah. family but no killer mike's rad uh i mean that new york state of mind is so fucking raw and powerful yeah. like i just i don't think i've ever heard anything like it oh it's, it's th- 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 i would i would argue that that record front to back is okay. that intense okay you know uh, yeah i mean there's no no shortage of intensity yeah. beyond that track but uh the firm uh, Aftermath Records group with Fo- Nas, Foxy Brown, and Cormega, which are the probably the only two features on whole record, right? Uh, couldn't tell you that. I, I, that that was a, a other really interesting thing about that record is that that even at that point we were starting to have features. Buster Rhymes shows up, this, this, and that, and it's one dude. That's one voice. Yeah. At, at some yes. point, that becomes a rock record. At that point, right. because it's it's you're you know if you paid attention to Outcast and like Miss Jackson. Mm-hmm. That song, um, Andre 3000 would be like, well, I don't want to tell Big Boy what to say, but he's writing this apologetic track to, I think it was Erica Badu, to be honest with you, um, about the things he's done wrong and how he's going to, you know, talking to her mom and how he, and then Big Boy comes in there and is like really kind of saying, you know, your baby's a grandchild, not a paycheck. Fuck you, Miss Jackson, this kind of thing. And so you, I mean, there's narrative tension there, which is really interesting, but that yeah. isn't the song that big, that Lottery no. 3000 wrote, right. but you're not going to make, there's something about that, like the, the narrative thread of Illmatic is 
it is from Vision. Okay. And I think there's something really special about that. It's of a moment, and it is, and it is of Vision. It's I, Again, I get into like the notion of, I think it's virtuosic. For, virtu- yeah, I think that, that works. Yeah, yeah. You know, like it, it's, that dude did something. Uh, first of 14 records. Yeah. Like, hell of a debut. Like, yeah. have yourself yeah. a debut, buddy. Yeah. And um, it, it, not his biggest hit on there, too. No. Because if I ruled the world with Lauren Hill would be his hit. Right, right. Um, there's some really incredible DJ work on The World Is Yours. Yeah. Um, and some sinister beats to open halftime. Uh, and then, like, all of a sudden, Pete Nice and MC Search are in the mix third for third base guys. Okay. Uh, th- so third base and DJ premier, like yeah. there's a lot to be read if you're interested about yeah. the relationships between search and premier Premier's, and Nas. Yeah, premier is awesome. Yeah. Like and that. he's like uh, a big stand up comedy nerd. He's like opening for Tom Segura these days. Really? Like in kind of a come out and do a little work, a little magic and then actually do the verbal and like you know no hype hype man oh, kind of, yeah, cool. yeah 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 um memory lane so good and like such a good follow to halftime yeah. um so you know i wrote what what nas in this record are too big to cover in a segment of a podcast episode yet somehow nas completely evaded my awareness until i started this thing how were you introduced that's you know what that's a really good qu- i know it wouldn't have been in real time um, okay. because I was kind of working my, like I was, I was, you know, I was standing in front of Dave schools at that point and it was, <laughs> it was discordant enough that it wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been sophisticated right. enough right. to, um, probably put in the time for that kind of an artistic statement. So my guess would be, is it probably popped back in, man, maybe even, maybe even as long as like in Denver, you okay. know, like that kind of a thing, sure. like I think the first time I bought that record was a record. I think it was would have been st- streamed by okay. the time I was really listening to it a lot. I don't. I don't believe I ever. No, I had the CD. I for sure had the CD. But I, I didn't go buy that at Streetside at midnight. Right. You know that that came into and I'm sure it was just somebody who was like, "Well, dude, you like this? Do you like that? Check and this guy out." Yeah, and I listened to it. and I was like, "Whoa!" And he was like, "Seriously, yeah. whoa!" I've I've got I've got a lot of work to do to. You know, just even get a surface scratch of all that he's done. Yeah, but yeah. it's an exciting thing to look forward to. Well, I, w- I would tell you that the hard part about you know, and it's those first song, first album things, and it never like it never got better, and that's the hard part for him is like it's like you can. I'm not a Nas fan. I'm an Illmatic fan. Okay, in a weird way, like sure. it's like sure. I mean, I'm sure I I'll listen to it, but like if you're streaming it and then you go to the next record. Like at some point, I just want to go back to Illmatic. Yeah, and yeah. so it's it's hard, you know. Uh, I was just about, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to say check about to check out, but I I was like, all right, I feel like I, you know, and then and then represent. Yeah. Fucking gangster. Yeah. Just like, anyway, um, six year leap and you know, no palate cleanser. We're going right from Nas Illmatic into Ryan Adams Heartbreaker. <laughs> One of them, I think, is doing better right now than the other one. Yeah, um, he, man, I just, I mean, whatever the cute little starter where he, there's some dialogue. One, two, woo, 
yeah. Uh, uh, about, uh, no, this is on this record. Yeah, about uh, Morrissey. Bet you five bucks. Uh, yeah. Is yeah. that who that is? Yeah, they're talking about Morrissey. Oh, okay. They're talking about what, okay. what album Suede Head is on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so once we get past that, uh, to be young is to be sad is to be high. Just the greatest, like old school, like the movie. That's the that's yeah. the track where he's yeah. in the cab. You know, um, like could that be any more Dylan esque? I mean, I, I don't know that he could be any more. I mean, in a weird way, why? he's the he's the you know the deluded bastard child of it in a weird way. Okay, like, okay. He's he's Dylan without the like. He never had the weirdness. Right. You know, he never had the, like, I always thought that if Ryan Adams put out half the records he put out, he'd be twice as big because he just was too prolific. And so after Heartbreaker and after Gold, he was putting out three records a year. And if he had, if he had put out one in outtakes, he would have put out great records. Strangely, the my buddy from episode one that was talking about the Beatles and oldies versus yeah. rock and roll, we came, we landed, we'd started talking about him somehow. Um, and he was like, that guy, uh, you know, well, well, he's notorious for, uh, okay, here's the project. Yeah. And they, they go into the studio and they record the whole thing and he doesn't like something. And so it just, they scrap it and it goes into the vault and they start over with a new project. Yep. And I was like, for real? Yeah. No, I think he's, he's uh, got like fucking 10 albums. Oh, I bet he has more than that. Uh, if I, you really look at it, because sure. he was putting out, he was putting out EPs. He was putting out just garbage. Okay. And, okay. And I, I honestly think, I think the dude's just unbelievably, or was unbelievably prolific. That's exact, exactly what my buddy because, said. Yeah, yeah. Because he was, uh, he was with the Cardinals for a hot minute. Okay. You know, wasn't he, I'm going to screw this up, but he was before that, wasn't he whiskey town? Yes. Okay. Yes, yeah. He I was, was. going to say, and so yeah. like to say 10 albums, he's, probably more like 25 if yeah. you really dig into yeah. the, the b-sides and the stuff that never really came out and so and he turned out to be an asshole i think well like, i think he got me too didn't he uh i think he was like the lead lead role me too. okay yeah got it yeah uh so you pretty familiar with his solo stuff as um, a whole i would say that i'm real familiar with that real familiar with gold okay and then at that point it just kind of lost me because it was well, too frequent the one that i <laughs> difficult problem to have yeah. uh it's it's relatively recent um and it's 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 got kind of kind of a, a more rocky electric-y fill and do you still love me yeah i haven't heard of oh, it. it's a really it good, good record okay. yeah how recent uh i want to say like 16 to 18 somewhere okay so right before he got canceled yeah uh so and then i mean i just happenstance have stumbled across a couple of details um where he's producing other people's shit. A ton of. And I think that was the one that got him in the biggest trouble, was one of those. Could, could yeah, be. I could be. Was, yeah. But uh, there's one artist in particular that I uh, really like a lot, uh, and 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 I was introduced to her first record, and I was like, that's pretty good. Uh, but more than pretty good. And then the second record, I was like, that one's, that one's not bad. And then the third record, I was like, this is next fucking level. Who is it? Jenny Lewis. Oh, yeah. Um, so Marcuson turned me on okay. via acid tongue. Yeah. I was like, God, this is good. And I, I uh, the Voyager is her second record. Wasn't she Omaha? Isn't I'm I not mean, sure. she's with the, that, uh, I think she was on Saddle Creek for a while. Like Saddle Creek's Connor Ober's bright eyes, all that stuff. Okay. And so for a hot okay. minute, they were, they were the coolest record label in the world. Right. And I think Jenny Lewis was part so, of that. So she put out a record, uh, called on the line, Okay, which is so fucking amazing yeah 
and by the time I've just I'm 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 toying with and flirting with burning out on this yeah. record. It's like all right, now you know the songs, you know the lyrics. Let's look it up. Fucking Ryan Adams produced it. That checks out. Just, I mean, so I, so then you know um, digging it a little bit. Uh, you know, if you want to, you know, uh, do you wrestle with this notion of separating the artist from the art? I think it's really really hard. Like it's, I mean, can we still listen to Thriller? Like I don't, I don't know if you're like, like, I believe I can fly is the thong, song from Space Jam, and we know R. Kelly's a horrible, horrible, horrible human being, but yeah. that's still the the theme from Space Jam. <clears throat> it's a Disney movie. It I'm gets, not, I'm not gonna it's, sit it's, there with you yeah. and say that Space Jam and Thriller are apples and apples. Well, they're they're. I guess one is alleged, one is convicted <laughs> in a weird way. You know, I mean, like, R. Kelly's going to, pr- like, prison, yeah. prison, you know. Michael Jackson and better attorneys. But I I, I do wrestle with that. Okay. I don't know. I don't have an answer is what it really comes well, down I to. Well, I meant personally. No, no, I mean, but, okay. what, but the, the fact is, is that I still think Heartbreaker is a really good record. Maybe I'm not going to go out and buy that vinyl to support Ryan Adams right now. It's kind of hard. That's fair. Like I, I know but you're I'm, not going to turn the switch and say, "Hate that guy." Yeah, never was it, a fan. It, it doesn't. That doesn't feel genuine to no, me. No, it's lies. Yeah, it's like I, I know it's a really good record. Like I've worn that record out. Yeah, you know. And so when we're talking about this, and, and a lot of this stuff again, it becomes representative. But that record's very representative of a kind of music that I listen to a lot of. Yeah, and so. You know, we talk about Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, but I was also listening to AM. You know, that's mm-hmm. that era mm-hmm. of kind of there's rock country, um, Saddle Creek fits in there, bright, early Bright Eyes records, all these things that it all feels like something to me. And that's that's the mountain of those records in right. my brain. Right. And yeah, I and again, I think the guys, I'm reasonably confident it is he's a proven dick. Like we're. We don't want Ryan Adams to be dating your daughter. We knew that for sure. Uh, no, but he like made a couple you know, good records. <clears throat> he made a couple good. Like so, I think uh, I think the deal is that you know, to your point, um, getting involved in these producer roles with female artists and saying like, I'll, I'll promise you the moon if you yeah whatever take your pants off or whatever yeah. it was. That, that's a troublesome area f- for for him yeah. obviously and, and i'm not trying to like minimize anything that any of his victims went through but like i think it's possible that he's really talented as a producer and so like if there's somebody that's you know a little green a little raw artist wise yeah. and he can if he can get in there and do his thing without doing that stuff like second chances i don't uh, fucking I don't know. know it's it's so hard because yeah. um Artists have always been unhinged. Right. You know, I mean, that's the thing is artists are tortured. But at the same time, I would never, like, I'm not in the position where I can give anybody a pass. That's not my pass to give. You yeah. know what I mean? 100%. And so I, I just sit here and yeah. I, I I, assume the guy's a raging dick. Yeah. I, I know Heartbreaker's a good record. And yeah. so if, if we're going down, I mean, not to be silly, but if you go down my Spotify plays, that record had to be on this list because I listened to it that much. Yeah. And so whether or not I can admit to liking it. It's a great it now, record. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Um, I don't know where or how, but 
I knew within two seconds that I had heard Oh My Sweet Carolina somewhere. Yeah. I don't know why. I'm I've, sure it's been on 12 movies. I mean, it's such a, uh, it's also, who is that? It's uh, Emmy Lou Harris. Emmy Lou Harris, Who's yeah. uncredited on uh, uh, Desire. Oh, yeah. She's uh, a, One More she's Cup of Coffee. Over, she's all over that movie. Um, and like, uh, God, she did um, All the Road Running, a record with Mark Knopfler. Yep. And like dual credit, yeah. right? And it's, it's a beautiful record. Yeah. Uh, I just, I don't know, like, like I hear two notes. I'm like, Emily Harris. Yeah. Uh, I just love her voice. I yeah. think she's probably been in a couple of shitty situations and yeah. still just keeps. Well, that's um, Sweet Carolina make her cry. I mean, it's dude. Such a, yeah. Um, there's some banjo work on bartering lines that is just a fantastic element inside this Western feel of a track. Yeah. I mean, obviously a lot of this record kind of leans to the, you know, folky choir. Yeah, yeah. but but it's something extra there. Um, come pick me up. I wrote. They don't write them like this anymore. No, that's that's a um, yeah. That's of the one of the representative songs. That's such a like. That's such a moment of that. You know, it's the Neo Dylan thing. Yeah, like it's yeah. such a. Uh, it don't ask for water. More yeah. Dylan. Yeah. Uh, a musicianship in in my time of need just i mean there's there's a couple of sort of sleepy moments in yeah. the record but oh, for sure it gets it gets i mean it's not a party record no you know but it's unless you yeah. want your party to end yeah exactly <laughs> uh, i gotta pee real quick cool i know we gotta get you out of here so i'm trying to move we're all good, dude. okay okay yeah um okay so now we move into 2001 okay is this it Ooh, the Strokes, the uh, most anticipated, like one of those records that was supposed to be such a big deal, and I got it, and I wasn't sure about it, and now I love it. I yeah, I was like, um, you know, sort of uh, tacking, you know, in a, in a mental sailboat, trying to find the breeze to carry me through this thing. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I know some tracks on this. Song. Good, um, good. But uh, first of six records for them. Yep. Uh, opening track, title track, great guitar riff, yep. some popcorn bass yep. happening. Um, th- this project has taught me a lot of about post-punk, Okay, uh, but I didn't know it was still going strong as of 2021. Well, that, was, that was the reboot, though. That was the literal, like, all of the the bands. I think you can, you can represent all of the the bands with that record, you know, where that garage rock revival... You're either going to choose a Strokes or White Stripes record to do right, that with right. having the Libertines, the Doves, all of those, like uh, the Hives. I loved all that stuff because right. it was it was garage rock. You know, well, the feel of this record, you know, not identically, but in some senses, it matches the feel of a lot of stuff from your list. Yeah, um, and, and uh, like. It, you know, I had a dude who gave me um, the list of sixteen, and like so much of it was post punk and 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 British shit. Yeah, and it was like, how did you? I mean, you know, my shit seems linear. I don't know because yeah. uh, it's you know oldies, classic rock, and I stayed in that camp too yeah. long. I checked out and did some hip hop and rap, and eventually I'm in jam band and and and. But but I never you know, I never veered down a path. I mean, it seems like you've veered down many many paths. Yeah. But this sort of that sort of feel 
seems like something of a constant for if this if this 19 record list is a snapshot you know you, you I think def- there's a lot of song craft in there okay. and i think that's a weird thing that really holds these together is that that the strokes craft really good songs in my opinion and i like you know not songwriting but song craft okay and even their their the record they put out this year is still like really really well that you know i think the two before this were bad okay they just weren't still the same lineup uh yeah they, okay. same five which okay. is crazy yeah to think about you know especially though they were punk you know art school kids right um they're prep school kids um but they're really those first two albums were really really well crafted songs and yeah. Again, there, there's such a. It, it's weird that it, we keep coming back to this, but there's a pop element to that record. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be a New York Dolls Stooges record when it was, came out, like that kind of thing, where it was. I thought it was going to be raw punk rock. Yeah. And I got it and I put it in, and I remember that I bought that CD. Um, was it came out right after September 11th? Okay. Right about the same time Yankee Tell Fox Rock came out yeah. because they were both delayed in a weird way. Uh, Strokes got delayed because they had a song called New York New York City Cops on that record. Oh shit! That was absolutely the hook was new york city cops they're not too smart and they couldn't put that like no. the, the english version of that record has that song on it okay but post september 11th you can't put no. that record out and and so they had to yank it they had to, foxtrot they got they, they rejected got, it yeah it was, and they got kicked off the label or the and, contract yeah, was, they got paid by the same label twice it was that was awesome but, yeah um but those were those records in a weird way to me i just moved to denver are really connected in my brain funny on two different like two bands that could have been the same that went completely different at that moment completely because wilco left pop and went yankee hotel foxtrot well and how many uh how many lineup changes that they had yeah and that, that, that there's a chart that's like from these years it was these guys yeah. and then it was here and then then you got like well, you have you know Tupelo, and then you have uh, Sunvolt, and yeah, all these other all the fucking... all in Sunvolt. If you really trace that, there's no. I don't think they've had. They don't have a common member record to record very often. Like, uh, but they put out like nine records. Yeah, and all of them are the same. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you just, you just by trace, <laughs> right. they just get worse from there. Oh man! Um, so someday. Yep. And uh, last night. Yep. Obviously, uh, Some, someday I, this is one of my favorite guitar riffs of all time. Like, yeah, just so jankly and yeah. like, like happy and you yeah. know, it's it's such good pop. Yep, uh, probably a track that Matt Smith is fond of. I don't know. No? Weirdly enough, I don't know that he's a Strokes guy. Okay, um, we'll have to ask him next time. Before we end this, we got to talk about the Strokes and my seventeen-year-old daughter. So okay, uh, hard to explain. That yep. one feels familiar too. I don't know how or why. Um, but, um, didn't have a whole lot else on this one. It, it's, it, um, I really, really liked the garage rock revival thing that went on for five years. This was, in my opinion, it wasn't therapies. The white stripes probably were the beginning of it, but this was, um, the beginning of an era of music. I really, really liked. Yeah. You know, and it was, it, music was, it was fun. It was edgy. It was you know, right at the moment where you're hitting the age where you're getting uncool, like, and that's really where that was, you know, we're 20, I'm 26 at that point or something right. like that. That music was like the last scene that I, you know, I, I lived in Denver. My 
close buddy's um, girlfriend worked at the Westward, which was their version of the pitch. Yeah. So we had tickets to anything good. we wanted. It was a good magazine. Yeah. Anything we wanted to, to get into, we had tickets to. So I would go to, two, you know, I was still going to one or two shows a night at that yeah. point. You would go, let's go see the Doves tonight. Let's go see this over here. And Denver had that, like, you know, Colfax had three or four venues that bands could play their way up. Yep. And so. Well, Sorry, go no, ahead. No, no, no. It just was one of those deals where you could see the Doves who were playing at Glastonbury two weeks ago playing in a 700-person yeah. room. Um, well, and then the Hives would play the play the Fillmore. Yeah. So Th- This is... Um, I'm not exactly sure that it's a parallel, but uh, when we were freshmen, sophomores in high school, you remember the green light? It no. was like a warehouse spot. No, no, uh, no. Scott Leathers. Uh, I wouldn't, dude. I was, I was pl- practicing golf, and I was a fucking dork. Well, I there, there was a warehouse. I yeah. couldn't tell you where it is. It's, I, re- I, re- I wrote a piece about it yeah. for the Harbinger, um, and fucking bands would play there, and there would be like hundreds of kids. Oh, I'm sure, like Sin City Disciples or something like that would have played at that point. They were really good. And um, natural progression. Uh, some of the earlier shows, you know, you might get uh, into the second band or um, possibly a third, and then eventually the cops come. Got and it. Then, and then as popularity, you know, grows, shows are getting broken up earlier and earlier because yep. it's just like somebody had access to this warehouse. Yeah, you can't do that. And somebody would, hey, we're yeah. charged three bucks at the door, and it was a blast. It was so fun. Yeah. Uh, but that was kind of the first stepping stone for me uh, to start, you know, once we're of legal driving age and have a vehicle, um, now, now I'm going to Lawrence and yeah. I'm seeing shows you and go to, you go to Liberty hall and, and yeah. bottleneck, bottleneck, you know, yeah. if, uh, luckily I had a pretty good fake ID. Yeah. Um, and so, um, you know, it's kind of like, Oh, this, this, I can't really put a finger on it, but it's really cool. Um, thing that a number of people are, are taking a big risk on, you know, like getting in trouble yeah. or whatever, probably some kind of, you know, financial risk as well. Uh, but they're making it happen. They want to make it happen, yeah. and that's trumping everything. And then you go, you know, obviously the Lawrence scene is legit, but you know, it's a drive. Um, I'm underage, but yeah. still, like, uh, it's the same. Like, I want to be there. I want to be part of. It. And this feels like not necessarily the next step, but maybe several steps down the line. Yeah. Of still, just like it's all about the gig, and it's yeah. all about the vibe. It's all about the feel. You know. Um, so really good song craft that not only translates in here and, and listening to a studio record, but also it was great. In a garage. Live, it was great live music. Yeah. yeah it was, yeah. And that was, so, so here's a funny story about this is my 17 year old daughter loves the strokes. And so, um, we're sitting around, you know, like in the kitchen, probably three, four months ago. And she's like, well, you know, the strokes rescheduled their new year's show in New York and this and that. And blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, L, are you asking to go to the Strokes in New York? And she's like, well, da, da, da. I'm like, L, are you asking? Like, don't be manipulative. Do you want to go to the Strokes in New York? She's like, yes. I'm like, so do I. And so my 17-year-old daughter and I went no and, way. and saw the Strokes at Barclays. Like, and, like eight or nine months ago? Oh, like 
three months ago. Yeah. Oh, oh, like, rescheduled their new yeah, year. Yeah, they okay. rescheduled. Okay. Yeah, so they did a fake New Year's in the middle of uh, like in the middle of May, which was uh, hilarious. Fish did yeah, the same thing. Yeah, at eleven yeah. at eleven twenty three, they just dropped the nice. dropped the confetti. Um, <laughs> but uh, that band, the they're you know they're forty four now, forty three now. When I would see them in Denver, they were the, they were so demure and they were so like. A, attempting to be cool and so like you know if you saw the hives the hives were jump around like got you know where they're all wearing matching suits and going fucking Funny. crazy and shit like that and the strokes just all sat in the same place and played sure and now you know in me not i probably saw them four times early but i hadn't seen them in 15 years they're now a stadium rock band they have crazy light shows and it's like they used to be so tight and now they're like delightfully loose and having fun and cool. like it was, for it was them. It, yeah that's exactly the way it felt is that that could have been a bunch of people who took themselves so seriously that they couldn't age and they've aged and now they realize they're gracefully in, yeah they realize they're in the fucking strokes and their life isn't all that bad you right. know and so it's such a kind of like it was a weird um i i was floored by how what to me was a bar band could translate into being a stadium band sure. and I missed 15 years of the evolution, but we all had those bands yeah. that, you know, big head Todd was better in the bottleneck than they were in Liberty hall, you know, and then they yeah. were even worse at Memorial or municipal because they, but, but, a, but a fun little presence as part of horde fest, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, but, oh, yeah. yeah. But they were, but that was the, like when they were a bar band, they were better, yeah. you know, they, they never got, big enough to be that, big that, that, there, there's a uh, there's a portion of that uh, was it sister sweetly that of that record yeah that's uh, still pretty enjoyable i i love the album before that uh, midnight radio I still, okay pro- i'm shocked it didn't make the list like okay. as far as if you went back and listened to the total plays in my life midnight radio would be okay. on the top uh, 25 yeah. um but it was the one it was the one before their major label one and but that that was I mean there were a lot of bands that just never could play bigger than I mean you know how it not a band that I would go to listen and I'm almost embarrassed bringing up but like when we were in college Dave Matthews band played at bars dude you know have you listened to his record from eighteen no I would oh my god is it's it good so fucking good oh is it okay it's I, so fucking good they, they I mean were, they were like you know how people love the band hate the fans with fish with the ph yeah Dave Matthews I hated the fans so much that I stopped listening to the music sure. sometime along the way but they figured out how come, to trans- come tomorrow I believe okay it's so fucking good well, they that band figured out how to translate bigger and bigger and bigger immediately and some people just can't do that yeah you know like widespread panic to me never was as good in big places as they were small i saw the Fish best panic show i've ever seen first time i saw him and then at liberty probably no in the csu ballroom oh got it okay. uh, uh october of 94 and uh george clinton opened for him okay and the, the show was so ripping that like every i don't really see panic anymore yeah. i mean I, if, if they're at starlight and somebody's like i got a ticket yeah that's where i'm at with them but uh no so so long story short like i i still really really love um not the first record but records two through five studio yeah Yeah. that's that fulfills all of my panic needs absolutely uh and somebody else can go see them yeah you know unless it's a free starlight ticket but that that's a band that um 
I've probably seen intentionally 13 times and accidentally 30. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like, like, hey, you want to yeah. go? <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, okay, so the, the last two here, um, like, just um, one of which, like, I probably heard somebody mention that was walking the other direction from me on the sidewalk. Okay, the the other one, now. The other one, I've never, I was like, what is Uh-oh. this? Okay. I'm wide awake. It's morning. Bright, oh, bright eyes. eyes. 2005. Oh. Uh, that's I've heard somebody. What? And there is this passing. Perfect pop record. Um, there's an intro track. Uh, the music of it. Uh, once it finally gets going, yeah. it's very, very likable. Sixth of 10 records for them. He, I, mean, I will uh, back to Denver. Um, there was a night where, and I don't know if you remember this, but there was a Pearl Jam show at Mile High where he put on the George Bush mask and it made all this crazy like mm-hmm. controversy in probably 2002, 2003. And I had told my buddy, uh, Scott Slaby, who has friends with in Chicago, had moved to Boulder, that I was going to go to this Bright Eyes shows with him, not realizing it conflicted with the Pearl Jam show. Oh, shit. And you have those like moments where like, dude, I told my buddy I was going, it was a, you know, a show at a small place in Boulder and, but I want to go see Pearl Jam, but I'm not going to ditch my buddy. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to the bright eyes show, even though I'd much rather go to this mile high or not mile high, uh, uh, Pepsi center Pearl Jam show. Can you be present in the bright eyes show and not be thinking about or in check a, and set in list about or... four seconds because bright eyes was so good. They toured no with way. probably eight or nine people. They had a vibe player oh. and it was just this, oh, like th- it. it was this moment and they played a good chunk of that record before it came out that night. And it was just so good that when, that, by the time that record came out and like, um, I think, I think, uh, I'm nowhere you are now, whatever that song is on there. I know the, the song about, uh, you walk away, I'll walk away was in that show. Okay. And I think that was the encore. And I remember like, we're in the middle of that like Iraqi conflict war thing, Afghanistan, the, the world had turned away from being together on September 11th and we're wondering why these wars are happening and Pearl James was making this like big broad statement and like through the music Bright Eyes was doing the same thing and it was really really like just of a time and of like I mean there aren't a lot of things that you know we talk about it being cloudy I can remember what the stage looks like I can remember the show I can remember the night because it was that impactful um and I, I it just then that record came out and it was that good nice. and so I'm sure you've heard of fish.net. Uh-huh. It's yeah. I have a profile on there okay. and if you I mean it's there's so much amazing information yeah. on there and like you can I was at that show and so yeah. so I know that Friday, Saturday, Sunday of this weekend will be 78, 79, 80 for me okay. and like I might be hanging it up after this like okay maybe if they come through i don't know like this is 10 years of travel to colorado for labor day you know this is a whole separate thing um but this guy david steinberg uh uh zzyzx okay he's the math wizard oh dude i I love that stuff so so like you know uh the default um you know, forever you enjoy myself was the song I saw the most, and yeah. some chalk dust torture worked its way up. And now, when now when I, I'm like fucking chalk dust, 
but uh, you can do it by state. You can do it by so. I've, I've messed around with that. Before, so yeah. many goofy, yeah. goofy things. So, um, this is all about the '94 tour. So, oh. so, um, so I would have, I would have seen three or four of those. So, you know. so we graduate. Um, freshman year of college is over. Uh, I just make this last minute move uh, and end up missing seeing, you know, Pink Floyd Ooh, at Arrowhead. That was a really uh, good one. And end up missing seeing these guys here. But in, in return, I saw them at Red Rocks for my first show. Oh, wow. Okay. And that's a big venue for them at that point. Well, too, by it, the way. They, they yeah. were, it, there was room to move around. Yeah. There were not 9,000 yeah. people there. Um, I wonder if I can. So this this book came out, and I was like kind of aware of it. That summer show would have been my first show. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I think it was a lot of our yeah. first yeah. shows. Um, damn it! All right, we're in May, and 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 I tell you, dude, like I I was, I had, I had Rift, I had Junta, I had Lawn Boy, I had Nectar. Uh, I didn't know them all like the back of my hand. I, yeah. And I just started my bootleg collection. It was very small. Yeah. Um, so like I had an idea of the feel, yeah. you know, uh, uh, this way, but like I'd never experienced it. And so first set I'm up high and, and it, I was having a, there was room to move around. People yeah. are dancing. And then my buddy, uh, he's like, come, we're, we're second row, come yeah. down. So I come down and, uh, Just read the subtitle to that chapter out loud. Oh, fish play the best show of their career. God, I can't read with my glasses on. Sorry. Fish play the best show of their career, and no one notices that you were there. That's my first That's show. Awesome. Yes. So that is awesome. Uh, I, like you know, and for for he's he's a he's a fun follow on Twitter, and yeah. you know he sees sees way more shows than I could afford to or care to really yeah. um, it would be it would be hard to do that these days yeah yeah but uh like i you know it's a, a hackneyed boring thing to say uh my they melted my face off but that second set you know second row and the and now it's it's that's yeah. you got the lights it's dark it's yeah. light you and, have, and yeah. i think i think you know i've heard a time or two that the that like late 93 early mid 94 there's maybe some cocaine happening with those guys oh okay so, so like high energy yeah. kind of anyway um that's really cool though about uh how how fun yeah the bright just, eyes show ended a, up it was it's a moment and that's weird yeah. like i mean that's kind of what it's funny because you're talking about going, you know, I was two years behind you seeing shows. I probably started seeing shows when I was maybe a junior in high school, okay. you know, and going up to Lawrence and stuff like that. But there was something about it. And no, we're right there. Cause well, I, no, but you were probably a sophomore going to that green light place, you know? Well, yeah. Okay. Okay. You know, like you, you beat me by like, I was just dabbling okay. by the time I was probably, you know, halfway through my senior year, I'm starting to, you know, and I'm sure we're at the same shows, you know, like just starting to go to, yeah. to shows as something that like my daughter's been to a hundred concerts, you know, like she loves it. It's wow. her favorite thing. And she's like a, you know, preppy little sorority girl, like she, but it just happens to be what she loves. Good job, dad. Yeah, yeah, good, uh, we win. Right. Um, it, when you catch those moments and they're not that, I mean, 
the reason you're a huge fish fan is you caught a moment. Yeah, you know, and like, you know, uh, like this. Uh, okay, so um, there is. I mean, it's a weird thing to take one song uh, that's been uh, released on a studio album of theirs, but I'm assuming that you're pretty familiar with Stash. Uh-huh. Stash is unique in that, like the the recorded version of it is crisp and clean but it's also pretty freaking trippy. Yeah. I mean they kind of get out there and they bring yeah. it back in before you, Yeah. but um this is before people are clapping. Yeah. He's, you can hear you can hear Fishman's wood yeah. blocks. But when they go into that oh, yeah. and, and like the lights and I'm you know I'm I've had some cold ones and choked yeah. on a yeah. doobie. I haven't you're not you're not you're not on the other side of the rain no yeah. and i'm just like uh, i didn't know this was pot like this is crazy yeah. like and so i was like this is going to be my you know forever my forever yeah one year later you know uh whatever 14 15 months later jerry's dead yeah and then you get massive massive yeah. spillover and it, uh, everything changed the vibe changed yeah but we we had um i remember like that era of that band, which I probably saw, you know, I probably saw five, six shows between 94 and 96, you know, um, after that, I didn't, I didn't like them as well. Yeah. There was something about, and I, I'm sure so much of that, there's a, like a collective energy there that the energy changed. Um, and I always thought the energy changed aggressively around like 98, 99 when the drug, in a weird way, the drugs changed where yeah. the people that were there used to be smoking a little bit of weed and it was, it was the way, you know, the dead was kind of a, it was kind of a, uh, communal thing. And then like widespread panic, I noticed it's even, you could feel the difference when people started doing cocaine at those shows right. and ecstasy. And it right. was like, it got more like teeth grindy and aggressive and it wasn't the vibe that it was supposed to be. And that was never my thing, right. you know, like, and so it, you, I just, I remember, I remember the feeling of the, community thing absolutely changed because they were so goofy in 1994 too, where you're like, you know, it's like, it's silly. I always, they always had a cover that you would like, you'd see love and cup or you'd see day in the life or you'd see something like that where it was again, a little bit of a break in the crazy, but it was such a, like you could tell fish loved music. Yeah. You know, that was the thing about like Trey loved music. And, and even at that point they were, um, they were doing the the Halloween shows where they did Talking Heads. Sure. They did you know um, Quadrophenia, which they still sort still of do. do. Yeah, kinda. yeah. Um, it it sucked to me when that changed. Yeah, because I remember seeing some of those shows in well, Chicago and like Alpine and just not being into like. Sure. I remember being not into <clears> like by about ninety nine two thousand like going to those shows because it was habit, not because it was enjoyable. Right. And then at some point, I like I remember missing the front half of like a widespread panic show at UIC in Chicago and realizing I didn't care that I missed the first half of it. I'm like, yeah. Oh, I don't have to go to this anymore. Right. And yeah. I've probably only seen it well, 25 times I, I, on accident. Since I- <laughs> <laughs> I've told this story on here before, but, uh, Anna and I went to, uh, the first four years of Wakarusa. Okay. And then it moved yeah. and whatever. But, um, one, one night, one year, uh, in fact, I've got it open on my phone on uh, Setlist FM right now because it's just been yeah. recently. Sound Tribe Sector 9 okay. is headlining Sunday night. Okay. And I at back then, now I play hockey on Wednesdays. I used to play on Sundays. Okay. Um, so we pack up camp Sunday. 
I don't know, not first thing, but midday, go home, you know, unload. I go play. She comes with, I play my hockey game, my shower. Yeah. We drive back up for Sound Tribe. Oh, cool. Stone Cold Sober. Yeah. Never seen them before. I don't, I own nothing. Um, I might own one CD. Yeah. Um, and we get kind of, it's, you know, yeah, it's, well, it's pretty six, yeah. six thirty. Pretty so, chill at that point. Yeah. Everybody's blown out. Yeah. You know? Uh, we get really close and, um, I'm like, what the fuck is like everybody on stage, like has their spot and they have an instrument and, but a lot of people have laptops and like some people look, looks like they have mixers. Like I'm not really sure what's about to happen. And the crowd starts filling in behind us. And um, lots of people have these fucking like 15 and 20 foot tall totems. Oh, like Europe. Oh, I don't know, man. Yeah, it's but a total Europe huge thing. sticks yeah, with it. like a character on the top. Yeah, that's that's so, how European festivals are, where they have those things up there, and that's how you find your buddies. And but like, but yeah. but it's it's that. But also, all the things up there are like kind of like spooky and creepy and weird really? looking. Yeah, like they're all unique. Okay, right. So they they start playing, and it's again, man. They're they're each doing their thing, but they're also fucking with shit sound wise. Okay. It was so fucking amazing. How cool uh, is that? And I just like I it. didn't even I didn't even get one beer. I was just stone cold sober and was so blown away. Come home and then whenever I don't know if it was the next time they're coming through, but the next time I was aware, yeah, they're playing an all ages show at Liberty, yeah. So I go up solo, and I was like, you know, I'll have a couple couple cold beers and take it easy, and then drive home. Well, I I get like a you know, like you're the stage. Yeah, here's my spot. And it starts to fill in, and as as it's filling in and getting more more and more crowded, people are just very clearly being disrespectful of at least my space. Yeah, like not just the occasional elbow, just running into, and just all of a sudden, like this whole situation is really sloppy. Yeah. What they, year is this? This is, I mean, so that that uh, Wakarusha show was oh six, so this is probably oh seven or oh eight. Okay. Uh, Band takes the stage, lights go out, and I mean, now I'm not I'm not checked in at all. I'm literally yeah, just you're in a mosh pit. fighting to yeah. keep my space. And I look over, and this group of kids that uh, they'd kind of come in and claim this space here, and they're just constant. There's constantly one coming or going, and I look over, and somebody's got uh, cigarette cellophane, yeah, full. I what I'm assuming is Molly, yeah, and just. Like all of them are like falling over one another, trying to get their finger in the back and yeah. the thing, so they can just. And I'm just like, this sucks. Yeah, this isn't what I wanted to right. do. Right. Yeah. But just, and th- those are those are the only two times I've seen him. And the craziest dichotomy, and I couldn't tell you shit about that show because I my I let my headspace get ruined. Yeah. By anyway. Um, but they're, they're I mean. Can you imagine having been the Grateful Dead and trying to keep a vibe for 35 years? You know, like, because, I mean, Fish didn't do it. Like, Fish fell apart. You know, I mean, they were, yeah. by the time, when was when was 1.0 over? Was that 01? I think so. Yeah, like, by so. the time, those weren't good shows when, when you were, like, the 98, 99, like, they weren't. Like, I, think, I think if you stack 98, 99 against uh, 2000, 2001, 2002, yeah. much better. Yeah, but whatever the late ones were, like right before they were done, yeah, they they I don't remember enjoying them. Well, the crazy the craziest thing is, and you know, it's pretty hard to strip the bias out. Yeah, from but since they came back, I think they're really good. Light right now. years ahead of anything really they've ever right done. Now. So much yeah, fun. I agree. 
Um, anyway. So what's my last one? Well, okay. So so six of ten records for them. Emmy Lou again. Yeah. And it's like uh, Q-tip on Nas. We keep getting yeah. kind yeah. of people from your people. Yep. You know. Uh, okay. So you give me this list of greats that touches classic rock, hip hop, rap, singer songwriter, po- punk, post punk, indie rock, garage, modern stuff, alternative. Where does this eclecticness come from? I mean, it's really remarkable. I mean, yeah, and and it's not just the teeniest little toe dip in the water. It's like you know your shit, and, yeah. And I don't you know. and you love. I I, I don't want to say equally, but yeah. it feels like equally. No, no, it's uh, you know, I think maybe probably we started with my dad. I'm sure it right. comes with yeah. having heard yeah. a lot of weird stuff as a kid, and and not like not. To, I, I guess I would say to lack bias towards things, even though I started it saying I thought most of the, the stuff was bad that he was, you know, like at times he was listening to stuff, but like, right. I, um, I think maybe I've been lucky enough to have, well, one, I played music. Yes. So it, that helps. And so you get, you go into waves and then two, um, because of what I did for a living, um, we, the exposure, it, it my brother-in-law one time said that, um, and he was working at a car dealership because he, he was about to buy a car dealership. And he was like, well, it's weird because, you know, these, the people here want to talk about like NASCAR and whatever. And he's like, I want to talk about golf and stocks. Um, well, all I've ever wanted to talk about is movies, music, and art. And if you work at an ad agency in the creative department, all you can, all you talk about are movies, music, and art. And so I think on some level, like, you know, at any given, I think the only two places you can do this are being on a wait staff or being um, in an ad agency yeah. where you're with a bunch of people who are all wanting to be something else. It sounds sounds like you've had, uh, you know, a funnel of intentional and a funnel of accidental just kind of absolutely. feeding yeah. like, like a beer helmet. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And that's what uh, that's what you do. And you're, you know. The dude who sat next to me at Bernstein Ray played drums. Right. And, you know, we played in ba- a band together for a minute, and and he loved Boston Power Pop, and so I learned super drag from him. Nice. When would you have learned that otherwise? Well, he was playing. I'm like, this is cool. And so I missed that, but I like it, you know. Um, so Train Underwater, I don't know exactly, I don't know what to do with it, but it's gorgeous in yeah. terms of its verses and tone and storytelling. Yep. The, the refrain and I'm, I'm, I'm not as big a fan of because they, yeah. they change it up, you know, and then they come back to this yep. thing. Um, not not sure how, but I definitely know first day of my life. Um, you, it was in a movie. Okay. It was in like, like, like Anchorman, but not okay. really, you know, okay. something yeah. like that. It was, uh, it, it absolutely, I feel like he's been in like a Judd Apatow or okay. one of those kind of movies. Uh, Great Horns and Landlocked Blues. Um, that's the um, that's the song that if you put it in the context of war that night, if you really think about it, you walk away, I'll walk away, and it's all about the stick in the street and all these kind of things. And that was that song to me when I saw it live was a statement. When they recorded it with the female vocal and stuff like that, it took some of the edge away from that. Interesting. That is like as poignant that live that moment that night was as poignant of like an anti-war thing as I've ever wow. heard and as intelligent of one okay because it was it w- I think we literally had invaded Iraq, Iraq that day yikes and so you're listening to that and I'm like it's a really you know um it's a really because that, there's um 
I think the more blunt one comes later on the record where they're like, it's uh, ABC, CBS. No, that's a different record. Yeah. ABC, CBS bullshit, you know, fact or fiction. They give you an even split. Like he was really paying attention and like phrased it in probably the way only a 19 year old kid from Omaha could do it at that moment right. where it was like that it wasn't, it was, it wasn't like what, you know, masters of war right. where like that's Dylan saying, fuck you. Mm-hmm. That's him having observations of being, you know, like he, if you go back through his more childish, early, brilliant stuff, you know, he just had these moments where he was, and I don't know if it was on this, this record or not, but like, he's talking about, uh, uh, like going through school and passing, you know, at least I got an A, so I don't have, you know, and you can't give that the blame and all sorts of shit like right. that. But it's like these moments of like, and I don't know that I would have connected to it if I listened to it when I was 46. But at that point, you're like, oh, it's such a like evolved childish way of looking at the world because your your angst is very recent yeah. towards you know being forced to do your homework yeah. you know like <laughs> like i think i think somebody did attack you with a stick on the street in the last 4 years and you're telling but you've somehow managed to turn this into yeah. into an articulate point about war yeah there's something crafty about that uh, for sure which i don't think i mean i don't think you i mean at some point like billy corgan they were talking about it like after his after siamese dream or whatever and they're like well dude why don't you write these angsty, you know, pop or punk anthems, this kind of thing. He's like, well, I'm kind of rich. And some days I sit on my couch and drink beer and watch football. And you're like, it's really tough to go back to where that dude was. Yeah. And that you can't, yeah. you can't rechannel you can't, that. You can't fake I mean, it. You can try. You just, but you fall back on craft. Yeah. You fall back on your bag of tricks. Yeah. And that's why very rarely. Do and it, and make... it translates to sporing. Yeah. I mean, I would think. Uh, so we're staying in the same year for the final. Okay. I'm curious. Uh, Black Sheep Boy. Oh, Okerville River. So you that you never. I was oh. like, which one's the artist and which one's the album title? Got it. That's, um, that's a dude. That's a record. Third, I, I mean, just, again, uh, and mind you, uh, my college town in which I had a you know a three year, yeah, weekly three hour radio slot. Uh, lots of singer songwriter, Will Oldham or whatever his name is. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard anything like this. I mean, um, third of nine records. Um, h- how do you even know who these people are? Uh, that one came super. Well, I mean, it's it's only what twelve years old or something like that now. Um, that one came later. I mean, or what? What year is that? Oh five. Oh five. I, I just have the ten year anniversary yeah. record. So apparently, yes, it's, yes. Um, Which is like a double. Yeah. I it's, mean, oh, it's, I have, I accidentally have two like volumes of this record okay. that are different. Like I think I forgot I had it sitting in my office at one time, and I bought it again. And it was a different collection. Sure. Um, I think I came to that. I think I came to that in fifteen, you know, twelve, something like that, where somebody uh, somebody was going. I think we were in the white iPad or iPod, you know, like the, or whatever. What were those things called? Uh, were those called iPods? Yeah, yeah, like the the white things that you carry around with you all the time that had you know two hundred and fifty six gigs worth of music. Yeah, and so I think I had a buddy of mine grab my iPod and was like, and he you know great dude, love this guy, but he was like, oh this is crap, this is awesome, this is crap, this is awesome, that was awesome, awesome, holy shit, we listen to the same stuff, this is good. He's like, you don't have Ockerville River? Oh, it's Ockerville. Ockerville. Okay. Yeah. No, and, no, I'm I, like, uh, and I'm like, and I'm like, no. The, the second K should have clued me no, in that it's Ockerville. I could be watching it. Um, and I was like, no, I don't. And he's like, 
you know, it was kind of like in what was that terrible movie Garden State where it was like, the, listen to this record, it'll change your life. Mm-hmm. It was kind of one of those. And like, I respected the guys musically enough that I listened to it the next day. Sure. And I was like, holy shit, this is really good. And I think like that dude's special. Um, and the rest of their catalog's a little bit more uneven, whereas that's a great record. Yeah, it's um, definitely. Yeah, it's. Um, there's a tra- there's a song called for real with it's got like a really wild transition in it yeah um and and you know, so i'm listening and, and eventually i scroll and i was like dude there's like 15 musicians or something crazy yep. i mean like yeah, they're it's and, the same as bright eyes you know well, it's a collective well, a couple of those people are playing like five six seven instruments yeah. you know, not necessarily on the same track but yep. they but a lot of talented folks yeah. sitting in for this uh, a king and a queen, lots of texture, yeah. lots of cool stuff happening. Uh, the latest, the late latest tufts. Yep. I, so I you're going to, I just wrote, wow, you're going to miss, um, I'm going to have to look up because I don't know song names. I'm so bad. Um, I think, and give me two seconds. Yeah. One of the most, like we were talking about, here comes a regular sitting in, um, sitting in a place and you know where you are. Um, Give me a second. Uh, sorry, this is boring. No, oh, dude. Um, okay, here we go. Um, Black. And it's the song about the girl being molested by her dad. And Off it, of 10? Uh, no, off of, of uh, the song okay, Black. Okay. The, the, uh, I know it's the fourth song. I didn't know what the name of it sure. was. And it is so narrative. And so, like, it's this guy saying how he wants to go back and kick this dude's ass. Like, his, is it dry? What do you mean? That you said so narrative it makes me s- seem like you would maybe your attention might trail off. I mean, is it? Oh no, no, no! It's it's the emotion of a dude wanting to go back and confront the father, a stepfather who molested his girlfriend, who do- has is trying to let it go. Mm. And it's such a like an intense like. I mean, and it's wrapped in kind of the poppiest song on the record. Okay. Um, Weird. Well, that's, I mean, the, the, the final note I wrote was a lot of tracks on this record seem to ignore traditional songwriting structure. Yeah. And then Black is by far the most, and that's the one it starts with the kind of the bouncy organ. Okay. And, um, but if you listen to it, it's like he's talking about the moment he wants to go back to. It's April 12th. Um, it's this, and I don't know if it's real, but Jesus Christ, does it sound real? Yeah. And you're like, um, uh, like, I mean, he says the girl's name in it. Like, it's so, like, and I, I can't be real because he says her name. You know what I mean? But, yeah, like, right. it's, it's, uh, go back to art, you go back to moments, you go back, like, it's so special in the fact that I don't know that anyone, one, that's a fucking subject matter. You don't, I mean, you don't generally write pop songs about, no. Uh, and you don't write, or, or really revisit. No, unless you're in your therapist's office. And beyond that, ultimately, it's not your battle. Right. This isn't your fight to go back and no. fight this guy. Like very specifically, if anything, we've been trained with but, in the last five years. But you would think if yeah. she if she's trying to let go, he, maybe he thinks he's going to get like a special tool and deliver it, and that's going to help her yeah. complete the process. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think I think if if you go back and if you know in in the modern enlightened people we are, we know that's not it's not your damn role. No, you know. Um, but it it that's the song that makes that record to me so special because it's such an unbelievably well crafted moment. Um, 
in their Bright Eyes and uh, Ockerville River have that commonality of being it's their scene bands. They f- they felt a little kinish. Yeah, right? oh, absolutely. Because and and different labels, but they're you know, Bright Eyes is Connor Oberst. Uh, Ockerville's I think it's Will Oldham is his name. Um, I think so. And yeah. so they they are the um, the light to all of the really talented moths in a scene. Um, nice, and nice so, analogy. Yeah, I was trying to get to it. Something about a magnet. I don't know. Um, but, but, uh, because of that, um, both of those are really, really musical records. They are like really, and like really talented and like the, the, um, the difference between jazz and pop is, uh, your parts have to service the song in pop. Whereas in jazz, your parts service the musician. And I think, a lot of both of those records are really, really cleverly played. Sure. And Wilco's a great example. I, of this. I, like I, the parts. Wilco also feels kin yeah. to both of yeah. these on maybe a, a, another removed level. Yeah, and probably on a significantly more commercial, right. um, probably more, I mean, I would never say the word better. Right. That's not fair. Right. But like on a more, let's call it more accessible. Sure. You know. Um, okay, so... Uh, the nine that I did not include from yeah, your list. I'm curious. I want I want to just read the title. Okay. Uh, and you, I mean, it's, we're, we're at ten yeah, o'clock already. We'll, so so be as I'll, I'll be brief quick. or yeah. as lengthy as you want. I'll be quick. Uh, eighty nine. Paul's boutique. Uh, dude, the the billion dollar record. Right. First of all, I mean, how so? Uh, imagine paying for those samples now. Oh, that was the last, the last time you yep. could do that was like literally yep. kind of the, that and those De La Soul, uh, Balloon Mind State, yep. you know, uh, the, the, that was what that kind of broke sampling. It, well, and strangely, like, you know, uh, there was, I mean, there was some sampling and licensed, but they, you know, septupled down. Yeah. To go into record number or just two, the Dust Brothers yeah. and that whole thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, dude, that record's uh, undeniably awesome. Yankee. Yeah. It, uh, Again, representative um, for me, I could have put uh, Summer Teeth there. Okay, that album to me is a moment in my life. Very specifically, when I was living in Chicago, Wilco was everywhere. Tweety Bennett were playing out everywhere. Um, I watched all of Yankee Hotel Foxtrot live before it was ever on a record. Cool. And so they, they were, um, they were. You know, if you went to the Sheffield Garden Walk, there's a good chance Wilco was the band playing that night. And so that that that's the record in the moment of a band that I love that shaped my music that changed. I went from the Dead and Fish to that twenty one years ago. Yeah, when it hit record form. Yeah, right. Yeah, and so that. But Summer Teeth really was the one that um, I had moved to Denver by the time Yankee Hotel Foxtrot came out. Okay, but Summer Teeth was the one that they you know from being there into Summer Teeth, and they were touring off that or they were just playing that poppy beach boys sure. stuff and watching jay bennett who was the secret sauce for the those two records yeah he and tweety would play solo together and it was awesome here's the strange thing uh you know um it it seems to me that when i am talking to folks in real life like in this setting uh-huh. yankees where a lot of people go if i'm reading about other artists summer teeth is the direction it's, it was it was the it was when they became uh, it's when Jeff Tweedy became an artist. Okay, I think is what it was, and it, you know, I mean, 
it, it had its head so far up Pet Sounds' ass. It's not even funny. <laughs> but at the same time, it was. Um, AM was the next Tupelo record that wasn't as good. Um, being there was absolutely a transitional record. And then, and then Summer Teeth came out, and you're like, huh, these guys are good. Oh, there you go. Do you know this book? Yeah. Well, well I mean, I did my senior report on that dude. So, have you seen the movie? Uh uh-uh. uh Oh my god. Is it good? It, this is a great book. Okay. I, I didn't read that. I it's read a the, really great the book. Red Bird and then, and then, uh, uh, Peter Sellers plays. Oh no, kidding. the dude. Oh, I'll watch that. Great. I have it on VHS. Okay. If you want to buy it. Well, I don't have a VHS player, so I'll hold it for a different. But I can also loan you one. Yeah, of I was gonna say I'll have to stream it. Uh, okay, what's next? Doolittle. Oh, um, you already spoke twice about your love. Hard to do. Representative of the Pixies could have been Surfer Rosa. Could okay. have been. Uh, could have been. Frankly, any of those four core Pixies records. Late eighties yeah, into early nineties. Yep. Yeah, I even like Trompelon. Okay. You know, like uh, that. That. That was the when everybody was listening to Skeletons from the Closet. For whatever reason, I was half the time I was listening to the Pixies. Okay. And I never knew why. And okay. Something about that, like the angles of what they did versus the smoothness of what everybody else was listening to. Like there was a lot of like weird kind of dippy, like the soup dragons and shit that you would hear in the parking lot of yeah. Shiny Mission East. Uh-huh. And I, I don't know why I liked the Pixies as much as I did, but something about the anti that, that that was and the, that like, you know, if you, not even on this record, but if you go to where's my mind, the way Joey Santiago played the guitar, you know, the, the droney, but like it was, he was putting these bends in weird spots and he was bending half of chords and shit like that. And it's like this dissonant, That's like cool. really, really aggressive thing. Yeah. And funny story, I think at least, um, my last night in Denver before I moved to Chicago, I caught the Pixies on that reunion tour like three nights apart in two different cities. Oh, wow. Um, just kind of happened to be. And I had been playing music with this guy in Denver and everybody's music in Denver is fucking terrible because they're all in too good of a mood. Um, it's too sunny. And so I had been playing with this guy and we had just been goofing around and he, you know, I, we love playing together, but there was, it could never have worked because he was too happy and bouncy and I was too angular. And it just happened. So happened that we, I dragged him to the Pixies on one of my like last couple of nights in Denver. And he's like, Holy shit. All the stuff you've been annoying me with for the last three years, I just saw all of it on stage. And so it just one of those things that like, somehow this is me in a yeah, nutshell yeah, exactly <laughs> it's like you know like it's like dude i know i i know where you, you know like you, i can smell your jerry well but you didn't know where my J- right? joey santiago right was, so um so so ba- like really right around maybe the same day or same yeah. stretch of days i'm trying to get Beatty to schedule right okay and he said let me do a thing and he said i'm gonna do high school college Maybe Parenthood. Okay. Three, one record from each. Oh, love it. And w- one of those, he went Doolittle. Okay. Uh, now he has, the the whole gig is give me your list and I give you dates and then we, yeah. but Ghost, Cricket, Got since it. Okay. then. And I've hit him up a couple times, you know, like, and he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm, bu- I'm busy. You know. uh, so anyway, uh, had I known how much you love these guys, I would not have Oh, it's okay. Avoided it and saved it for Beatty, who no, can't seem okay. to get his shit together. Uh, soft Bulletin. Oh, um, you were talking about Soundtrap Sector 9 mm-hmm. and the vibe and the feeling of that. Mm-hmm. The Lips had that for about four or five years. Okay. And um, 
Soft Bullet and they toured without a drummer. They toured with SVHS tapes with the picture of their drummer behind him. It was like a miniature Pink Floyd show. Weird. Uh, Wayne Coyne really even played an instrument. Their drummer was playing the piano and the guitar. Their bass player was often playing the piano, sometimes played the bass. They were touring as a trio with a thousand tracks behind him. Okay. Um, at times they toured where they passed out headphones to the entire audience. They put out a four CD um, disc that you had to play concurrently. So you had to find four different people. Dude, um, uh, the, the uh, parking lot experiments yeah. and, the, and the ghetto blaster experiments. Yeah, it, they just were doing things. Zyrika is what that was called, but they just were doing right, things. Yes, so yes. unbelievably cool. And the softball and... Um, they caught a moment. Fuck. What's the, um, what's the, oh, Burroughs. Oh, yeah. Uh, Naked Lunch or? No. Let's see here. Oh. Wrong title. William, William S. Burroughs has a book called The Soft Machine. Oh, yeah, that different deal. Which is, um. The Soft Machines are a rad band out of Texas, too, in the early 2000s. Okay, uh, so that book um he would take magazines yeah and like peel a phrase and then peel a phrase and that was that was how his... he would construct a sentence and yeah. there's 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 like you know body jumping and the way the body jumping happens i think is like you know through sodomy and a whole bunch of weird shit yeah. but like that you know when i uh when I read about the parking lot experiment and the ghetto, I was like soft, you know, soft bullets and yeah. soft, mach- a lot of overlap. It seems they but. caught it. They caught a, um, he caught that dude caught just a moment of rampant creativity where I, I don't, I mean, did you do the soft, uh, soft bullet much? Did you listen to that much at the time? I've never listened to the Flaming Lips. Oh, that, because I hated them. Yeah, because uh, late one year, probably oh five, maybe yeah. they were headlining. Uh, Walker, they were, yeah. had this thing where they would have two headline stages. Yeah, and you could go to one and to- totally not hear the other. Yeah, and so I I skipped to go because somebody wanted to, and like it just all felt like a, a build up to him getting in the bubble and going yeah. out in the crowd. I was like, this is so fucking boring. Yeah. Like, why do so many people like this band? Somebody else picked a different lips album. And which I, one? Uh, Tales from the satellite heart. Or Yoshimi and the pink robots. Somebody else picked that and they okay. flaked. Okay. I, like I did the prep and then they didn't come. And then, uh, little Gilman picked, um, it's, it's the right. The cover is like striking. Um, okay. Uh, Cloud's Taste Metallic? No. Nope. Okay. Later? Uh, uh, I don't know. Okay. But, uh, and I loved it. Yeah. It's such a good record. I, I was like, fuck. Well, dude, Soft Bulletin. Okay. Um, that, I think that hit, I mean. The record he chose, there was a lot of, what I read, there was a lot of talk about the record he chose, but uh, it, they kept dropping references to Soft Bulletin. Soft Bulletin was, was just, <clears throat> it was, it, it's the same as Yankee Hilto Foxtrot. It was almost an accidental piece of Fucking, art. Little speaking of people who can't get there, he's fucking rescheduled twice. Little Gillen, yeah. Um, but no, Soft Bulletin's, uh, it's it. I would say the way that dude told me to listen to Ockerville River, I'm going to tell you to listen to Soft Bulletin. Okay. It's um, it it's really really special and at war with the Mystics. Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's way deep. Okay, we gotcha. That's probably two after that. Okay. Um, you're going to tell me to listen to Soft Bulletin, yeah, for okay. sure. 
okay if you computer listen, uh oh it's kind of hard not to do that you know that's a that's it's a cliche but it's is really fuck that it is really good a masterpiece yeah, really good. i don't love every track like there's what don't you like I, I, for the easiest go-to is the uh uh you know cleaner not drinking yeah. as much you know uh, that's not even a track well that's a, anything that also gets like super like dances into the field of metal okay. i'm like no oh yeah i don't mind that stuff i didn't i didn't even mind when they got like i loved ben's iron lung all that stuff where it gets really heavy and dissonant but i sure. have a i have a proclivity to that yeah um yeah it's, uh, okay computer is just kind of undeniably it's, magic i could know? i could talk for an hour yeah about absolutely. with nobody in the chair yeah just, just uh europe 72 oh well, it's, i mean talk about representative uh have you seen long strange trip huh oh dude when did that is or is that the is that the one that um uh christmas kid did i don't think so is it a series on amazon yes yeah that's christmas okay. kid directed that. oh really yeah okay yeah, yeah for sure i saw that but i saw it four years ago yeah, yeah. uh absolutely fantastic yeah. part where uh the dude that's always in the truck yeah uh he for some reason he's like i i don't know why maybe he heard the opening but he he's like he's he's got to go in and be there for the the, morning due yeah and like right and jerry like looks and sees that he's there (laughs) and kind of like you better hope that tape yeah Yeah. uh abbey road that uh the my argument about why the beatles are the greatest band of all time is that the unfinished songs at the for the second side of abbey road the medley if they put two of those on a record finished over the course of five records would still be a rock and roll hall of fame band. If they just finished their unfinished thoughts at the end of that record. Interesting. That that's a better catalog than yes has, you know, like, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like most bands in the world would take just a finished version of came in through the bathroom and window and, and, you know, even her majesty. Like, so, so is, is that, gospel to you that they're the greatest band of all time uh i think they're the greatest of what they are of all time i okay. think they're i think they Interesting. are uh not even metaphorically like i think they're almost inarguably that that doesn't mean they're my greatest band of all time but i i don't think anybody's ever been more prolific more um more impactful and more um I don't know. I think that I think there's before and after the Beatles in a weird way. And yeah. so it's kind of, it's, it's like, uh, <clears throat> we accidentally put that stamp on Christ yeah. before and end, but before, it should have yeah, been, been the Beatles. Beatles. Yeah. And I, and I think Paul McCartney, like if we go back to the, the elements of things I keep talking about, Paul McCartney might be my least favorite Beatle. I mean, like I might go Ringo over Paul McCartney, but that dude's ear and eye for pop is, I don't think I, he's Beethoven. He's Bach. I mean, he's do, Miles do, Davis. Do you like Wings? Uh, I I can tolerate Wings. Mm. Like you know, I don't dislike Wings, but I've never sought Wings. I mean, sure. Band on the Run is undeniably uh, brilliant. I'm, I'm a sucker for oh, love songs. Okay, I love that yeah. tune. The yeah. bass in that tune, and I don't know, it's just sweet. I loved I loved the way the Beatles played off of each other, and the way like those three and Ringo, you know, Ringo being the one, the, the vanilla of that yeah. band, but you need a little vanilla in there. Um, so Whitehead chose the white album. Okay. And I'm not going to do it, do his quote justice, but he essentially said, uh, everything on the record, uh, besides while well, my guitar gently weeps is 
kind of silly and throwaway garbage. Yeah. And I, I was like, what? For the record that you, the double yeah. record that you picked? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I can see that. I mean. But that that was, I mean, that's why I chose Abbey Road is sure. because the stuff that they disposed at the end of their career yeah. is still brilliant. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's. I had such... no idea how, like, really, you know, the in terms of putting out records like that and touring it was a short window oh they, they stopped i just had this vision yeah. of like 20, 19 years no and, no it was like 63 to yeah 69 weird. 68 weird yeah. uh wish you were here okay that's i mean representative again um over dark side and the wall and animals yeah fascinating it's uh, i mean it's it no nobody had ever done that before like hmm. o- open to close Really, yeah. one song, that, and kind of. Kind it's, of what it's eight I, tracks, yeah, but that's it's kind of what I love about it is it's. It, it, it might have been that that was what I was listening to most recently when you asked God, me the question. So but that's the whole thing is that just shine on your crazy diamond is just so rad, Man. and it. That's the some of those organ strokes, like you yeah. literally, Stone Cold Sober can like allow yourself to feel. Metal, metal feels yeah. Metal feels the same yeah, way to me, but yeah. it's it's the opposite of drums in space. Yeah, is it? There's always a point, and there's always a movement, and there's always like you know, there, there's there's always direction. Yeah, in well, and, crazy and like, where have we ever seen a, a, a showcase where Gilmore really shows his chops? Like in some of that. Yeah, Barney. Barney. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm I worship at the altar of David Gilmore. Yeah, too. Roger Waters yeah. fans can take a hike. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Siamese Dream. Pumpkins, you know that it's probably representative of a time of music for me too, but I think that that record in craft is so underrated. Like it's such a like the record isn't underrated, but the craft that went into that record, the playing, the um, the writing, all that stuff. I just think it's so good. Uh, Ed Lee chose that nice. and then decided <clears throat> that doing this was unfit for. Um, the stage that he's at in his career. Okay. Like he's afraid he's going to sit there and say something that will like prevent him from getting a job. Or something. Oh, I hope I didn't do that. No, yeah. no. I mean, yeah. I think you're set. Yeah. You don't have to worry. Uh, that's it for your list. Uh, my final questions were, is, do your kids have a relationship with music? I think we've answered that yeah, for sure. Does Robin? Not as much as the kids would. Um, Robin likes music, but I think at some point after having been together for 28 years or something of, of that distance at this point hers has probably she's probably lost a little bit of any musical identity she would have had when she was 20 years old and she it's got just, smothered yeah more than likely okay so tomorrow uh however whatever details you want to assign to the scenario but you wake up and you and your kids and everybody and as far as you want to reach family wise okay are one thousand percent taken care of financially. Okay, there, there's more money than anybody can spend in there if you want to try. Yeah, before everybody dies. Okay, what are you doing with yourself? You don't have to work. You don't have to think about money. You just literally the time is yours to. This this is gonna sound um, real hacky, but probably not a hell of a lot different. Um, I don't. Uh, um, I would golf and fly fish and ride your bike. I probably wouldn't play much golf, honestly. I'd probably fly fish and fly fish and 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 ocean. I mean, like, I don't know that. I, you know, I mean, I still have a nine year old. You know what I mean? And so, in some ways, 
until he's in college, right, I, right. I would make sure that he still, you know, becomes home. I would probably still go to work as dumb as that is because it's I would want, dumb. I would want him to be raised being, normally. Being a dad is probably the most yeah. important job you'll ever have. And so that, that would in in a weird way, I don't know that. I mean, I would love to be able to go places for two or three weeks at a time. But I mean, we just got back a week ago from being in Croatia for 10 days. It oh, was aw- nice. It was awesome. Like, oh yeah. I saw her yeah. post. Yeah. And I would, I would totally, I mean, I'd buy a house in Croatia, but we'd right. still probably live in the same house we live in now. Right. You know, it's not, I don't know what else. And, and who knows shit could change on Wednesday, but I don't know what else we really need. Right. You know, um, and I would do my best to not overcomplicate the next nine years of that kid's life. Right. And then in nine years, I mean, who knows, I probably spend a hell of a lot less time when it's hot. Um, you know, as stupid as it is, we'd, right. go, we'd I'd either be on a river or, or on an ocean where well, it cools I th- down. I think it's, fan- you know, um, you know, for, for some people it's fly fishing, for some people it's surfing, uh, for some people it's travel. Yeah. You know, some people might really want to just keep doing the th- and just yeah. have, like, you can really fulfill, have a real smile. Yeah. Like, eliminate all the stress you have a little uh, bit of purpose by I, going to your thing and i honestly think that's probably where i'd be and, 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 and yeah. i have a private plane that when i go, want to go fly fishing i'd go fly fishing but so, i don't need yeah, it. yeah somebody's flying it you're tying flies yeah. and yeah. you know maybe bringing your guitar along all but. that sounds delightful if you can make that happen i'm in uh so <laughs> when we sat down you're like i'll see him in an hour yeah uh hopefully we're no, okay nobody's no, upset i've been you. i've been texting we're okay good. okay cool um this was a lot of fun and uh, I really appreciate you coming to do it, uh, especially with you know all the things that you have have going on. Is there does 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 the uh, does the business need a plug? Oh you, God, no, 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 we're all good. Okay. Yeah, no, <laughs> I don't think anybody listening to this needs a needs a commercial. Man. I mean, you but, never uh, know. Yeah, if, if uh, no, it. Um, I did just uh, to like last week. You know, it's it's only been living on YouTube and on the website. Uh-huh. I just last week got it on a handful of the audio platforms. Oh, awesome! And so just today, for the first time, I went. I just went fucking around and accidentally clicked on an analytics page, which has, yeah. has the map of the world and shows you all the spots. And there was like a shitload of non North of America. And I was like, well, what? really? I mean, just you know, it's random. Yeah, it's not I like. Mean- Nobody's nobody's trying to make that happen, but all you got to do is catch the right. Co- I mean, you got to catch the right corner of an algorithm right. at some point, and then right. th- that's the difference between a thousand, ten thousand, and a million. Yeah. So, so. but no, um, thank you for having me. This yeah, man. A blast. I really yeah. have enjoyed it. Even, um, I, I suspect that uh, were there to be a time in the future where you might might come up with another list and come sit down again, you I'm, you might be able to carve carve I'm, out the time. I'm in when you need me. Okay. Thanks, cool Sam. Thanks for See having you. me. Yeah, <laughs>